catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions. Only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. That's right. It is perfect. Fellas and ladies, it's nine o'clock, nine one to be exact on a debate night. And we're going to be debating the Carolina Panthers uh, and our fandom. As we're here tonight. Now, it's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. Tonight's show, the losing streak ends and a wounded Cardinal comes to town. We got a good show tonight. As usual, the crew's in the house. We'll introduce them in just a second. But uh, tonight we got a special guest, 940 Eastern Standard Time, Ed Smith, former uh, Atlanta Falcons tight end and now um, radio host in Arizona. And uh, host of the Believe in Cardinals podcast is going to be joining the show tonight to help us preview this Cardinals team coming off their first loss of the season where Kyler Murray looked human for once. Uh, And we'll try to figure out why Isaiah Simmons is only playing 10 snaps a game at this point. And we got some, I got some other things I want to know about injuries, Cliff Kingsbury, why they don't run the ball at all, or it feels like that. So Ed Smith, you can find him at Ed Smith Speaks on Twitter. He'll be joining us at 940. Go ahead and smash the thumbs up button if you're in the chat room. We appreciate it. Uh, The number is 252-228-5098. You can be a part of the C3 Panthers podcast. And uh, now let me change over this scene right here. I can put up y'all's beautiful mugs. Uh, Cody Lashney, my man, my co-host. How you doing, my friend? Tony Dunn, when I'm not fighting people off on Twitter, man, I'm... Uh, trying to be the best Panther fan I can be. Apparently, I'm not good enough of one, but it don't matter, man, because you know what? It's Tuesday night, and there's nothing I'd rather be doing than talking about Panthers football with my homeboys here on the C3 Carolina Cat Chronicles podcast, but also we got the most lit fans in all of YouTube, Tony Dunn. We got 10 Tizzy, Sarah Taylor, Underground West, Joey the Blind Panther, Esquivel, Trill Warren, Tony Dunn. 
Ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. Yes, uh, Joey the Blind Panther, Ed Smith is going to be in the house tonight. That's what's up. So that's going to be at 940. We've also got CK, the master streamer, in the house. What's up, my friend? You know, um, just hanging out. Just wanting to hang out with you guys and uh, have some conversations about what's going to be happening with this game coming up. And, you know, living the dream. You know, I needed you guys tonight. I've been like COVID melancholy today, so uh, it's nice to be hanging out with my my peeps in the chat room as well as uh, here. We got Greg, the Bat Daddy, in the house. What's up, man? Oh, man. my tag team partner right here, man. Greg's already in the paint for one another. Living the dream, man. It's been a crazy day. <laughs> like like Cody says, man. I'm just here to talk Panthers football. I'm a Panthers fan here, to talk Panthers football, having a good time. So, but they we say we're in, they say we're not Panthers, right? but whatever everybody's you know and we'll talk at some point i guess i don't really want to talk about it be honest and the reason i don't want to talk yeah i don't care either the reason i don't want to talk about it is because first of all i love like football conversation and i do i've always been annoyed by the real fan talk and yeah, that is is like like and and I just feel like this is and maybe this is just because I'm uh, trying to get people to listen to me talk about something I obviously don't know a lot about and mm-hmm. the reason I say I don't know a lot about it is if you looked at my picks from this past week you would go this guy don't know squat about football <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know a, I don't feel like you have to I I don't know a lot about the technical components like well that guy's under center this and that is but i do have a i feel like a decent eye test for football and i'm like that mm-hmm. player is pretty good that player is in his, right and i just feel like this is with a fan base as young and as fragile as the carolina panthers fan base and in, in many ways as when i say fragile is that i though i get very concerned what long-term losing could do to an organization like ours because we don't have generations of football fans in fact we are just hitting the point now where people are have been panther fans their entire life that's Mm -hmm. just possible right now so um i've always been like this is that if you put one panther hat on if you cheer one time for them we'll take you Get on. Get on the fandom wagon. We'll take part-time fans, full-time fans, expert fans, fake fans, right? Whatever it may be. You're not uh, in a position to be turning any kind of fan away. Right. At all. Hey, if you want to be a part of this Panthers football team, baby, we're letting everybody on. Come on and can keep pounding with us. Can we show how good of a Panthers fans we are? We're going to say this to the people that are bandwagon fans. If you want to not be considered a bandwagon fan in three years when the Panthers win a Super Bowl, cheer hop this on year. the train now. Yeah, <laughs> hop right. on the train this year. Yeah, and then and then you'll be able to say, "Look, I was I was cheering for them back in 2020." Like, right. I mean, I've been here. And anyway, I think too so. the other thing with fandom, and I, t- I said I didn't want to talk about it. What are we doing? We're talking about it. Um, <laughs> That's is that I, I, I think that uh, it, it's kind of like I've even gotten upset. It's like when you get, I get upset on both sides of the argument where people get so upset if you want to talk like Cam still or talk about him or if you want to turn, like handle your stuff your way. You know, my wife, every time we get, well, not every time, we've been in our share of arguments over the last 20 years together as a couple and uh, 
sometimes she she says you can't tell me how to feel and i'll say your feelings right now may be ridiculous (laughs) i I think they're ridiculous (laughs) i think they're illogical but she says this they may be illogical but that's how i feel uh maybe that's too snowflakey for the world you know maybe that is like the thing is this i just say don't be sensitive folks is and um, and I won't say sensitive because I'm very sensitive. What I would say is um, I feel like the Internet makes us want to be right all the time. 100 percent. And I yeah. got to say, I'm actually going to call out just Joan for this, who was a big Giant Panther fan. She's upset with me right now. And I saw it because Twitter has uh, the algorithm to make you upset. The Twitter <laughs> algorithm, what it will do is show you tweets of things that they know you're going to argue about. So I kind of got into it about somebody asked, why is it that the coaches have to wear the mask on the sidelines when they're getting tested at the same rate as players? And I said, it's because it's for show. It's a PR look right there is that if these players can be fucking running around with no mask on spitting and spittling and all of this, what is that mask of the guy right there who's with them all week doing that's any different than theirs? And Just Joan got upset with me. And then today, she was like, oh, well, reason this is like it's about being responsible adults and setting an example. I All right, maybe if that's it, then that's at the bottom of the list. What's at the top of the list is cash money and the perception of the shield when it comes to the NFL. Now, if you want to wear your mask, I'm cool. I'm not even saying don't wear a mask. I don't even really care. Then today, Twitter puts up a tweet, and it was when the COVID, when Tennessee got hit with the COVID, the Titans or somebody, I think the Titans got hit with it. And she was like, and people were just saying to me that you don't need to wear a mask. And I was I, I was about to respond. I said, nope, not doing it. I don't really care yeah. that much. I don't really care that much to like prove or convince which is strange and ironic since I have a podcast. Because that means I kind of do care enough to convince in a vote. Different, no, the difference know. is your podcast is not to, to tell people this is how you have to feel. Your podcast is to put out how you feel, have people react to it, and discuss. And that's for, the point, you know? for all Panther fans to say how they feel. Again, this yeah. is a platform mm-hmm. for fans. How right. boring would it be if you had all of us saying the same exact bullshit? If me and Greg thought the same thing, like I've been, you know, for the most part uh, since we've hired Matt Rule, I've been pretty high on Matt Rule and pretty uh, positive on him. Greg, not so much. You're gonna get a good balance between all the guys here on the show. And again, when we say things, it's for the, you know, we want the best for the football team. Like, we're not, you know, trying to tear down the Carolina Panthers. We do this because we love Carolina Panther football. So it's like sometimes people just got to calm down a little bit. And uh, when you hear honesty, don't get mad at it. Just take it for what it is. If we're wrong, then we're wrong. But you're going to get our honest opinion, and that's why we hope you guys continue to come back. I think one other thing, too, is that um, there is this expectation – that when you, because we're a football podcast, that we believe we're football experts. No, right. we've always never been. And, and yeah. I have always said from the beginning, I'm not a football expert. I'm an expert football fan. Right There you go. And what I mean by that is I'm going to live and die and cry 
on Sundays by the Panthers. Um, and I mean, I love players. I'm going to hate players. I'm going to, right. It's like, that's, there's an emotional component to me. So no, I'm not trying to be a GM. I'm not trying to be the coach. Um, I'm just going to say, this is how I feel about it. Now. I don't know. All right. Let's talk about that as we are Uh, out here. Look, we're 11 minutes in. I need to tell you guys that if you want to, uh, but, um, Try to be an expert better, which I don't say you should try to be an expert better. I should say you should be a casual better. You go to mybookie.ag, you use the promo code OVERTIME, they'll match your first deposit up to $1,000. Then on Wednesday nights, you can hang out with Tony Dunn. I'll post it. I post it on Thursdays. It's not a live show, so actually you're going to have to wait till Thursday. Picking with a professor, right? And uh, I'm going to tell you what I think the winning picks are for me. Uh, week one, I gave four picks. I went two and two. Week two, not so good. One and two. I mean, so it was week three, excuse me. So I did three picks in week three. I'll probably try to do four picks, picks in week four. I don't think I'll, I'll probably stop that trend at some point. Uh, but you can go to mybookie.ag and you can tune in on Thursdays on the podcast and on YouTube, uh, picking with the professor. And if I'm super cool, I'll get it up Wednesday night. What I did learn is a couple of things about betting is that I don't know what to do, but I've learned, I'm learning from my mistakes. And that is don't fuck with Atlanta. Don't mess <laughs> with Atlanta because they suck, right? I would have been two and one if Atlanta didn't be Atlanta, right? But sadly, they were so bad that they let the Bears beat them. That's how bad they were. Now, um, but. On top of that, I also learned that Dwayne Haskins is awful no matter what the spread is. So I'm learning, and I'll get better as the season goes on. MyBookie.ag, picking with the professor on Wednesdays. We're going to be talking with Rafael Esparza from MyBookie.ag. Don't forget to use the promo code OVERTIME. Uh, Cody, what was that stat you were telling me about Atlanta in the 15-point Yeah, no team, no team in the history of the NFL has ever blown – two fourth quarter leads of more than 15 points. Atlanta did it in two back-to-back <laughs> weeks. That's a different kind of dumpster fire down there they got going on in Atlanta, bro. Um, I don't even know what is what even to call that is uh, – here is that you want to talk about uh, real fans – you actually got to say Atlanta fans are real fans. Yeah, you die because hard. Because they all have All five been, of them, yeah. Yeah, all, uh, yeah, all five of them. Hey. But, God, they have to deal with that shit. We would have done half of the – every Panther PSL owner would have damn turned the channel. They you know what's, not- what's frustrating <laughs> is, like, the Falcons give them a taste, right? Every mm. single time. Every year, they have a good team. Like – they have a good team. Like on on paper, they have an, a phenomenal team uh, outside of maybe a few pieces that they might be missing. But they always like, and that's why these fans are able to stick around because they're like, "This is gonna be the year. This is it." And then they see like these incredible first half performances, and they're like, "Oh yeah, here we go. This is gonna happen." And then they blow they are that. Show artists. That's what, oh my uh, gosh! Ten Tizzy said. Who said it? Ten? T- no, it was Underground West. Atlanta choke artists. I mean, they would make the worst. Porn. Um, <laughs> they, have y'all thought about Dude. Cody? Is the idea crossed through your head about Trevor Lawrence and black uh, and red? Uh, okay, so I it's 
only because as of right now, so if the season were to end today, the Falcons would have the number one pick. <laughs> right. So, uh, dude, it, that's that's nightmare fuel, homie. Do you yeah. think they would take – like, if they got that, do you think they take him? I mean, I don't know, dude. It's like – Matt Ryan Matt is Ryan, getting to the end of his career. I mean, not end of his career. He's got a few good years left, but – And, he's and Trevor is from Georgia, too. Um I don't know, man. It's, y'all, don't, y'all need to get Trevor Lawrence out of y'all's head. It's not happening now. We got. It, it, <laughs> oh we, yeah, I we are out it, of the oh, Trevor you don't know Lawrence. No, bro. After this no. past week, have you seen the rest win. of our schedule, bro? Okay, I don't care. I, really I don't care. Is we are one win. First of all, we're tied for second in the division. Let's go ahead and put that out there. There you go. I'm one we win closer tied. to winning that bet too, Tony. One win closer. One win closer. You got five more to go, I think. <laughs> five it's more five, to go. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be a long five <laughs> r- wins to hoe. Um, right. But I would say is that like there's some real teams that are far worse than us. <laughs> and the Giants, the Giants are maybe the pick. Them and the Jets are the pick of the litter. The two New York teams are god-awful. Um, you the know, problem is they have easier schedules than we do. If you look, it doesn't the matter. They are so bad. They don't even. They look, we look competent. We look competent. We actually That's play true. football games. Like we, I mean, yeah. we we're taking a guy who is basically a peg leg in Teddy Bridgewater, and we are okay. I mean, hey, like, let me I'm ask a, you guys. I mean, we're just like, hey, it's like we're not fumbling the ball insanely or terrible on special teams. Arguably, this team is performing better than Ron Rivera's team did last year in the 3-4. How do you guys feel about the fact that we got Matt Rule now instead of even Judge Rule, or Judge, like whatever that guy's Joe name Judge. is? Joe Judge, yeah. Joe Judge, um, yeah. Look. I I am at the point right now where the Panthers are playing football and like well enough where I can't like completely smash them and talk trash, but I also can't be excited. Yeah, you know, I mean, you got to give them five, time. Five field goals, five red zone trips, and no yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, we are the like, like I mean, I, I can't get excited about that. Guess but who that's the two teams that are worse than us on third down in and one. in the red zone? No, not yeah. third down. Third down, we're pretty efficient. Okay. Third down, we are efficient. Red third down is just the red inside zone, that yeah. 20-yard line, man. It's the we Giants and the Jets. can't put it in the, in, the, in, the, in the pay dirt, you know? Joey Exwell said that if the Falcons take Trevor Lawrence, Cody will be saying it's nothing but a dome quarterback by the end of his American contract. Maybe, maybe so, man. But listen, can I just say, I don't care if all of you disagree with me. Listen, we, we might, you know, luck up and win a few games. But to just assume that there's no way the Panthers can get the number one pick at two or three wins, like, yo, there's too much football left. Just like we can't say that we're definitely going to have the number one pick, we can't say that we're not. Okay, you're right. You're right. We're not out of the running, but each week we look less and less. We look more competent than uh, several other teams. And I gotta, I gotta say this is that the damn Bears are three and zero, and they have to be the worst three and zero team Dude, in the history of the world. <laughs> yeah, they uh, we look like a six win team. We, we look like honestly, we look like a six win team, which I think is what that's I, I what bet you on. Kept since, saying, uh, I mean, that's what you kept saying. I don't think we're that yeah. good. Is that? Um, and I don't know. I don't know. Is that? I think that people, the internet, likes to be extremists, dude. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and that is is that is like everything sucks or everything is great. Mm-hmm. And um, and I know that, and you guys got to give Cody a little space on this, is Cody has been saying that he he's actively does not want a 7 and 19. Or right. a 6. Yeah, you know, it's like, like that we all is, agree with that. It, yeah. And so if there's been consistency there, I think some people, and yes, he is slightly, when the Panthers won, was slightly disappointed you could hear it. <laughs> but you have to remember, though, it's because of the comments in the position that it's so hard to move the needle with the set, the eight and eight team, which the Panthers yeah. historically have been. <laughs> and now, like we're in this thing because of COVID, you know. But like, if we were able to like sell tickets, like how many people are showing up to watch? Teddy Bridgewater, like I would go. It, I would. I'm not go. gonna lie. If you can give me a cheap ticket, I'm going to go see. I'm going. It's been exciting. It's been exciting. Like I'm not going to see Teddy Bridgewater. I neither. You know, I'm going to see the Carolina Panthers. Right. Panthers. Greg, let's know what you just said, though. If someone gave you a cheap ticket, you'd be like, I'm talking about. Well, we have to travel from out of town, bro. If the no, but what I'm saying is, is if the team no, that's even that adds to my point more. Let's say this year we're eight and eight, right? And Teddy Bridgewater going into the next year is our starter again, going into 2021. Are you guys pumped about driving all that way and spending money to come see a game when you have a quarterback that, I mean, listen, pretty much Teddy hasn't been bad, mm-hmm. but he hasn't been great either. And he does miss uh, passes in the, he's afraid to push the ball down the field on a consistent basis. So he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good either. The thing with Teddy is this, is that he is better than Kyle Allen. Mm. He's better than Kyle Allen. Like he can do a hundred percent better. hundred percent. I mean, pocket presence. Yes, but step. Okay. It goes through his reads, some different things. It's like, he just has more competence. Yeah. And he yeah, does it on the ball. The, the results, but I mean, all that, all that is nothing. Like, I mean, I hear so many people, and I hate to break this down to the LeBron James and Michael Jordan stat. Talk about not, nothing else, but but numbers. Like, it's great, but in the end, is he winning? Like, he's not. He did. You know. Well, he, he did. did. Yeah, he, he did. Just, I do want to point and, out. And I'm this. not trying. I'm not Here, trying to talk down one on numbers, Stat Daddy. So. Is uh, Russell Wilson? after three games has more touchdowns than Teddy Bridgewater has ever thrown in a season. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that Russell Wilson's MVP this year. He's he, only, he's like I he think is, his max insane. is he's thrown 14 touchdowns, Teddy Bridgewater. And now, yeah. I mean, he was, um, but here's the deal is no, is nobody's going to be excited to go see Teddy. Nobody's no. excited to go but, see that, to answer the question, Cody. But as a fan, if I get the opportunity to go see a game, I'm, I'm going to go see the game, you know, because I enjoy yeah. going to the game. I enjoy being in the stadium down that in Charlotte. Environment is Co- like, Cody will yeah. do the post game at your house together, man. Like, I'm right. only an hour away from Charlotte. So if I get the opportunity, yes, I'd love to go, no matter who the quarterback is, because I've it, always done that. What's up, Mike Vela? I'm not uh, excited for it. It's, yeah, it's for me. You know, one of the best games I ever went to in my life was a 33 to 3 blowout where the Saints just destroyed us. 
We yeah. made it on the Jumbotron twice. The One of the girls with us got $250 worth of airplane vouchers. Um, the people in front of us got, damn, one of the Saints play. Now, they were Saints fans. Um, they got, uh, the, one of the Saints players gave them a pair of the receiver gloves. Uh, I yelled at Drew Brees, and he laughed. He chuckled when I said that his wife was a better actress than he was an actor. He laughed wow. at that. <laughs> he was slaying us, and we sat on the 45-yard line for like 60 bucks. Four rows right. deep. <laughs> here's here's my goal, right? Not only just with this, but to, uh, you know, this uh, at some point, I want this podcast, meaning Tony, since you're the sole owner of it, to have four PSLs, and we all go to the game every single yeah. home game uh, every year. Yeah, live stream awesome. from the home game, or no, if, or even if we just get, even if we went to like three quarters of them and then gave away tickets. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Or go two and two. We probably should start with two, two PSLs, and then we'll rotate. Alternate because, games, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. that's a lot for me to go. My, you know, it's a lot. It's a long way. I'm exa- yeah. It's like a, me and my friend always talk about this. He's a big Redskins fan. And he, we both secretly don't like going. Hey, to hey, hey, that's a racial story now. They're the Washington, the oh, Washington sorry, sorry. football right. team, bro. Come on. Yeah, come on. Louise, wear your mask. We Dude, secretly don't like going to the games. And like we enjoy being at the games. We enjoy the experience of the game. But I tell you a couple of things about being at a game. Number one, I never remember it right. And it's not because I'm just getting hammered. It's like yeah. it's an emotional experience. Yeah. You're cheering, oh, yeah. you're high fiving in your house. You're not really young. Yeah. And it goes by so fast, too. Yeah. It's hot. It's cold. Now, uh, uh, that's all part of being that hardcore fan. I get that, too. But replay is awesome. Going to be able to take a leak when you want to is awesome. Uh, (laughs) uh, Like all of these things. And for me, it's the four-hour drive. And I don't like to take Monday off from work. You know? And so you got to beat ass home. I get home at midnight, and it's been like this ridiculously long day. It's a lot. And then it's always a lot of money ton of yeah. money but yeah um panthers god fsu says not into politics but this debate is nuts yeah i'm watching oh, i'm watching oh, we're going through twitter right now oh, and i'm just gosh. like I'm just- I, so listen i i just like popped it on youtube for a second and i unmuted it and it's just them talking over each other like that's okay. all it, it's just Joe Biden fighting for airtime because Donald Trump will not shut the fuck up. And that's all it's ever going to look like. That that's all the debates are ever going to be. You're not going to do anything from either. Of them. Again, Donald Trump is brilliant because he's doing exactly what he needs to do to get Biden emotional and Biden is going to do what Biden does best and say something stupid. Yeah, like, piss him right. off. <laughs> yeah. I, I and we're also we're... numb to Trump saying stupid stuff, right? Oh, so he could say her... stupid, and you're like, "Well, that's just Trump." Yeah, <laughs> dude, I'm loving her. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. It's go ahead. not. I told everybody to work. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I said I told everybody to work today. A great drinking game would be every time Donald Trump says wrong or fake, <laughs> fake news, whatever, drink, and every time Biden forgets where he is or what he's doing. Drink. Oh, you and might get out. Fifteen minutes in, you'll be you'll be passed out. <laughs> yeah, you might get out. Boys, so. that, don't don't do that. That might that might kill someone. <laughs> I don't advise that. Um. All right, let's go back. I do want to say I went back and I'm trying to watch the football game. I was rewatching the game, and um, 
I, I was um, probably least impressed with Teddy Bridgewater this week out of all the weeks, except for the week that he had the turnover. The turnovers were just – I, I know, and Greg's like – and he's like, if your aunt had nuts, she'd be your uncle. No. So you got to say he had those turnovers. But in this game, it it was just so – he was not the, the life of the Mike Davis was the life of that offense. So like let's we've we've beat we flogged the Teddy Bridgewater to death, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some other things that were concerning about this and one that has been raging in this Twitter to debate. 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 Yeah. A debate. What the hell's a debate? Um the the left tackle. Okungao, they put in Greg Little. And, you know, the coach talked him up afterwards. And you almost felt like that was him saying of a word of encouragement to a guy that he didn't believe in. It's embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing at this point. If any of you have looked, um, again, we're, we need to figure out a way to, to, for us to play in clips fast. But uh, Greg Little... Dude, this looked – listen, he looked like the guy that I watched college film on. Mm-hmm. On Listen, I, I was uh, thorough on Draft Tech and on Twitter. I hated that pick when we did it because not only could we have gotten him later, but we traded picks away to go up and get Greg Little. It's his second year in the NFL, and he looks lost. Yeah. I mean, not even kind of good. I mean, Greg, dude, it goes back to Marty Herney. This dude has to get out the door, y'all. It, it, this is going to hold our team back the more he continues to evaluate these players wrong, and then it hurts our franchise for who knows how long because of it. Our left tackle spot is going to be an issue moving forward. Okung only has a year, what, this year, right? Or is it two? Mm-hmm. Or, I believe it's just this year. No, it's just year. one. It's just one. Like, we're and in then, the – we're in the point where we have to pick. That's the probably the reason we're gonna have to um, not be getting Trevor Lawrence. I kind of I agree with you on that. Like it, it might be a good, yeah. If if we win four or five games, it might be the best idea to try to get the best left tackle we can and draft quarterback next year. Which, to be honest, is probably like six years overdue. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put it up right now. These are the two plays. They're going up. I'm getting it. Here we go. Um, Two plays, and you can send me the link to the other one. Uh, This is just Greg Little falling down, basically, or letting people buy. Oh, Uh, play the one that I sent to you uh, in our our message chat. Okay. Because there's one that, that shows his college film. And film of his game uh, um, the, this right. past Sunday. All right, you talk. Tell me what you saw while I put it up because I got to go get so, it. Oh, it's not up. Okay. Uh, yeah, l- listen. I mean, he has no toughness to him. I mean, if you're an offensive lineman, you're going against the best edge rushers, you know, in the NFL. I mean, he doesn't even look, look uh, like he has any idea what he's doing out there. But that's not even a serviceable backup. Uh, that's the reason why he didn't finish the game. It, w- it was because uh, he just was getting torched out there the entire time. 
it's it's embarrassing. It's up right now. I got it playing. And basically, he just runs around. In this college tape, he just runs past the defenders. Yeah. Dude, even when he's run blocking, there is no... Uh, dude, there, there's no toughness to him. He doesn't Which know that was your legs. major criticism of him yes. coming out was that he was a potential was a competent pass blocker, but it was in the run blocking game. And it turns out though he's not. And this is sad because what what the problem is is this. And this goes back. And this um, I'm gonna go back and we'll just finish on this note when it comes to Marty Herney. Our guest is gonna be joining us in eight minutes we'll sneak in a couple cat calls before we get to him the the idea is this is that i've been a fan of what marty's done since he's come here in free agency and my other thing is is because i think he's done pretty well in free agency now it hasn't always worked out and that's not all on him number one brashard breeland that was going to be a big deal to our defense. And then he had that crazy foot thing. And then it, and then at the last minute, we were able to get Don Terry Poe. That was a big recovery in a time when you missed what you're – you push your chips in, and then the damn police raid the poker game. And then you got to try to play the next hand. So that was the – Don Terry Poe was a disappointment. But in theory, it was a decent move. The other one was the Gerald McCoy year which we thought was going to work, and then KK got hurt. And at that point, so his free agency acquisitions have been okay since he came since he came back in the second term. The problem, though, is that some of the mid-rounds and the later rounds have not worked. And that has probably been the real story of Marty Herney. You think of this. His entire Greg, career. Yes. Greg Little. Um, but let's talk about some other examples and that being uh, Golden, go back and look at the the twenty nineteen draft, twenty eighteen draft. I bet you there's like nobody on the team. No, not no, not at all. I mean, what? Maybe uh, wait, the two thousand eighteen draft was it eighteen? Well, that wasn't McCaffrey. That yeah, he was twenty seventeen, uh, right? Yeah, two thousand seventeen to eighteen was DJ Moore. Uh, 19 Panthers 2018 draft. Let's see what it is real quick. Um, okay, DJ Moore, Dante Jackson. Then we tr- we um, got Rashawn Golden, Ian Thomas, Marquise Haynes. Like not the worst. Kendrick Norton, Andre Smith. He's not there. And then the 2019 draft was. Panthers draft was Brian Bird's. This is the bad one. This is the bad one. This is the worst. Brian Burns, Greg Little, Will Greer, Christian Miller, Jordan Scarlett, Dennis Daly. Terrible. And now, uh, so uh, Christian Miller, I liked him a lot. He's not even playing this year. Greg Little was terrible. Uh, Will Greer was a wasted pick because guess what? Uh, we have no idea who the backup is going to be. If, we, we, uh, it's not him. It's not him. That he's just he had, a holding a clipboard. No, listen. He's been PJ Walker has been inactive the last two weeks. I know. I know. It literally is him. But he's not even really about. Like you don't ever want Will Greer to step on the field. 
Dude, I'm telling you, we have not. You're, I, I'm not saying that I'm glad that we picked him, right? That's not the 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 point of this statement that I'm about to make. But the guy was given an opportunity last year in the midst of one of the worst seasons that we've had as an organization, uh, behind one of the worst offensive lines with one of the worst defenses. There, there. He was put into a, one of the. I mean, you cannot put a rookie quarterback, even though we were all calling for it because we thought maybe this is going to be some magical thing that he's able to pull out of a hat. And it, it, it's. It, I think it would be tough for anybody to do that. You but could have picked him part, in the sixth, though. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm whether or not I'm happy with the pick or not is is different. But to say he's not a backup, I think that he 100 percent has the tools that he needs to be an effective backup in this league. He just. We had him on a limited number of snaps that we saw him behind one of the worst offenses that was being called in the NFL last year. Um, and and that's where and it was only for two games, and these were trash time games when everybody already knew we were out of the out of the hunt for anything. So I mean he came in. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna well, say I I just I, I think that to say that this new I like PJ Walker. I saw what he did in the XFL, but there was a reason that PJ Walker was not signed in the NFL. At that moment in time, right? Yeah, there's there is there is a correlation. I think was neither of other... them are worthy to really be long term players in the NFL. That's my thing. I don't know. That... We haven't seen enough from Greer. Greer was not a bad like. There's let's let's go ahead and put the the reality out there. He was given a really shitty opportunity, um, and you look at all the other people that were drafted in later rounds that were quarterbacks that worked out. I mean, there's a lot out there that exists. Tom Brady is uh, obviously the the one everybody wants to point at. I think it's only fair that he has an opportunity because he had the he had the the tools to be able to even be looked at by multiple teams. We just went ahead and picked him where we thought we needed to pick him in order to be able to get him back. You know, for him and to not if, be gone. And if we can continue to compound this, uh, Hakeem Butler, who I was telling you about on the podcast mm-hmm. last Sunday, he was on the practice squad. It's not anymore because the Eagles picked him up and they already have ideas on how they're going to use him at tight end. Uh, then, again, we have uh, no depth behind Russell Okun. So if Greg Little has to be up there, it's not good. We have uh, you know a guy who has only proven to be a career backup at quarterback. Again, how many times am I going to hear, oh, well, Marty Herney picks great in the first round. But okay, there are more picks than that. You have to hit on a whole draft, and he never does nah, that. He hasn't. He hasn't had a lot of luck there. And look, the, and we're paying though. We're paying for all of this. A culmination of mediocre to bad drafts. It adds and at the up. time, um, and this is the one thing is I did see Matt Rule talk about this. Is that he said if you see. Um, when you see Isaiah Simmons out there, when you see uh, Derek Brown out there, and when you see who was the third one he mentioned, um, no, the that we got three picks this year. He Jeremy said, Chin. Jeremy Chin. Thank you. Uh, did I say Isaiah Simmons? You did. I thought you did. Okay, yes. Yeah, well, yeah. I thought you were thinking. So Derek Brown, um, Jeremy Chin, and the third one. Who was the third one he referenced? Jeter Grossmatos. Yes, he yeah. said those. He said I think Marty Herney did pretty good in the draft. We felt the same exact way in 2015 with Devin Funches. With um, who else did we get? Uh, Devin Funches was our second round. 
Yeah, but what I'm saying is in 2015, they did a redraft at the end of the year at Trey Boston, all of this, and it was like the best draft when they did the redraft at the end of the year. One year later, it was trash. So no matter what the rookies do this year, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're phenomenal or if they're shitty. We cannot really determine what these players are going to look like in five years or two years. It takes three years to find out if a draft is to really give it a good evaluation. Yeah. Coaching 100% goes into that. Like if you look at – let's also take take a gander down south to our rivals in the NFC South, and that is New Orleans Saints. Back in 20 – the same year we drafted uh, Christian McCaffrey, they got Alvin Kamara, right? They got uh, – like they had just one of the best draft classes of any Marshawn decade. Lattimore, Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore. Brian Ramshack. Williams well, wasn't they, there, right? They, uh, they, they killed it. They got Alex Anzalone. All those guys are still on the football team. Yeah. So, and, I mean, again, uh, uh, listen, I, I don't mean to cut you off. All I want to say is that Panther fans – Need to get to the point where we want Marty Herney fired as bad as we wanted Ron Rivera fired. Because even though you're not seeing it all the time, like you do with the coach, when you have a GM that's stopping you, dude, that's that's ruining your team for the next few years for multiple different reasons. Well, we're gonna have to get, and, and we've and we'll talk plenty about this later about the structure and redoing the structure. Um, but right now, I don't. I want to remind everybody: go ahead and smash the thumbs up button. Be a part of the podcast by calling in at two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. Now, I'd like to cue in our guest. We've got Ed Smith from the Believe Podcast Network, former NFL tight end for the Atlanta Falcons. We're not a fan of the Falcons, but we are a fan of you, Ed. Welcome to the C three Panthers podcast. Hey, great to join you, gentlemen, and, uh, you know, good to be talking some football here. I think I joined you guys last year, too. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. We had a great conversation. Yeah, I loved you guys, man. Keep up the great work, but good to be here with you tonight. Um, Happy to have so, you back. So we brought you on because the Panthers are going to be hosting uh, the Arizona Cardinals, and uh, the Cardinals are coming off their first loss of the season while we're coming off our first win in 10 games. But the first win of this year and the first win of the Matt Rule season, I gotta say, I was upset. I'm, I hate the Lions. I will not. I'm not a Lions believer. They have burned me too many times. But boy, they burned you guys at the last second. What happened in that game, Ed? You know, I, it was one of those. I won't call it a trap game, but I was preaching to everybody out here. You know, because we got high after the San Francisco win, and you know, and obviously we took care of our a business with the Washington football team and everybody was all ready to go out and buy their Super Bowl tickets. And I was like, you know, slow to roll, you know, it, it's a still a work in progress. And we have looked impressive, especially in those first two games, but that Detroit lions team always seems to give us trouble. And Matt Stafford always worries me. And I just had that kind of feeling that this would be that game where everybody was kind of already looking ahead at the schedule thinking, Oh, we got Carolina coming up next. And we got this one coming. We could go into our bye week five and Oh, and you know, right. And I think, I think we might've just got a little bit ahead of ourselves and we let Matt come in here and get comfortable, especially in the second half. And they just kind of, you know, just kept nickel and diamond staying in the game. We never put them away, made a few mistakes ourselves. Kyler uncharacteristically with three interceptions in the game. Could have had four. 
could have had four. four, yeah. And, and we just let them hang around. And that was one of those games that I always look back on the schedule. Those are the must wins because you're supposed to win those ones. And we let that one slip from our fingers. Can you, my question, and I know the guys want to get in on this. we got a big panel that's excited to learn about this Arizona team. But my question about this is, now I've watched this game. I went back and rewatched it. And then I, I've glanced at some of the Arizona games through, you know, up, up leading up. I went and looked at the the playbook, right, or the game book, and I was surprised that you guys actually ran the ball as many times as you have this season because it feels like you guys throw almost every down. Like I've and I and my question and before I even looked at the the attempts, and I was a little surprised that it's as balanced as it is because it didn't feel like that. But I wanted to ask you: Can you win in the NFL without running the ball consistently, or is this the new NFL? Because it it feels like you guys are just working out of the shotgun and all the rushing is coming from Kyler Murray, and that's about it. Well, you know, and that's a great observation. And one of the flaws of Kyler Murray is not anything that he can control is a little bit about his height. Right. And, you know, under center at that height and then trying to drop back, that just causes him more issues. So that's why the majority of our snaps, in my opinion, are out of the shotgun. And it does stunt our running game a little bit. You know, it's, a, it's much – uh, it's tougher to run out of the shotgun. Everything is kind of that pistol or, you know, running back next to you rather than having a guy seven yards deep getting that downhill run or, you know, getting a, trying to get the corner, you know, with uh, pitches and stuff like that. So, you know, part of that is just the, I think the nature of, of his size. And then the other thing with our running game, it is a lot of Kyler Murray and not necessarily by design, it's by scramble. Right, right. Uh, and he, and he, he does it judiciously. He's not out there like we saw what happened with uh, Lamar Jackson last night. Their whole attack is based around design runs and nothing around the pass game for the most part. And when you shut that down, it's total chaos. With Kyler, he's been very good with if, if he feels pressure, he's, he's not afraid to get down even in the pocket, but he'll scramble and he's so quick and fast – He'll elude the rush, get out, get him five, six, seven, eight, and then get down. So, you know, that's kind of been our running game to this point. I'm still waiting for, you know, the explosion of Kenyon Drake like we had last year when he first got here. But, you know, like I said, that's I think it's all still a work in progress. But, yeah, a lot of our running game is going to resolve, revolve around Kyler. And if I'm right, this is the first year that – well, I mean, I know it's only his second year, so we have a small sample set. He didn't really run a ton last year. Right? Is that no, this was I, the I, first time he had a hundred yard game or something like that? Yeah, and I think that's you know, I think they're trying to keep him safe out there. You you guys know there's a lot of big uh, uh big problems out there when you start running around too much and Kyler's already slight in terms of his stature and they know, you know, for him it's not about a lot of design runs, about scramble and he's I think he's gonna develop just like a Russell Wilson where he eludes just enough to maybe get the ball out and when he feels pressure he'll you know, make the move to get out, but he doesn't want to be out there in the open field taking on these big, huge hits. So, you know, that's kind of going to be his style. And I, I prefer it that way because I don't want him, you know, turning into a, a Lamar Jackson, that type of runner, because he'll never survive out there. Right, right. All right, I'm going to pass the mic to you, Cody. So, Ed, um, listen, man, I haven't had, we haven't had a guest on here that I've been so excited to talk to than you, man, because I have some. <laughs> I got some burning questions for you, man. I don't know if you can see it over my shoulder, but I got a Clemson championship banner, man. (laughs) I'm a diehard, and you probably already know where I'm going with this, man. I was really, 
really, really badly wanting Isaiah Simmons to be a Carolina Panther, right? And then I made that known on our draft show. But now, dude, fans of our show, they do not stop giving me crap, man, because they keep on showing me the, the snap counts that Isaiah has been on the field that is not coming off the bench. Like, people are already labeling him, oh, he's a bust. We told you that gadget player that you put everywhere would never work. I'm trying to find some kind of clarity. Is it the coaching staff? Is he making rookie mistakes? Shed some kind of light on Isaiah Simmons. What's happening and what's your hope for him going forward in this Arizona defense? That is a great question, Cody. And I, I can assure you that the talent is there. It's just a matter of you got everybody has to remember with COVID and everything we experienced this year, there was no offseason. There was no rookie mini camps. There was no opportunity to be in the facility, soaking it up, getting in the playbook. Uh, then you get to training camp. It's an abbreviated version. And then you don't have a tr- a, any preseason games. I've been talking about it all the way through the, pre- the uh, offseason for any of these rookies coming into this season, Cody. It's going to imagine, you know, you want to get on a treadmill, right? And you don't just get yeah. on it at three and it's, you know, flat. You're going to jump on a treadmill at speed of 12 and elevation of 15, right? right? So imagine these guys played college football last year. Their first NFL experience is going to not be in, you know, preseason or anything like that. We're literally just going to throw you out there. And the speed of the game, people don't understand how fast the game is during the regular season. So, you know, you have to give these guys some time. And I actually like what the Cardinals are doing because they're not throwing him to the wolves. I think – if you spoon feed him, use him situationally, he's going to grow into this. And he's looked like a rookie out there. Let it, you know, no mistakes about that. But it's just because he's not, uh, he ha- has not had a chance to adjust to the speed of the game. He's still trying to learn the playbook. Everything is moving real fast. The ability to the talent is there. It's just a matter of time. And it might take deep into the season before he starts looking to form. But I'm glad we got the pick and you guys didn't get it, Cody. <laughs> oh, we man, got Derek Brown and a lot of people are excited about you know, Derek Brown is and Derek Brown's been the opposite of Isaiah Simmons. We've needed Derek Brown to play every snap, it seems like, yeah. from the beginning. And he's maybe a little bit easier of a job up the middle with the space eating, tackling things. But uh, you know, you saw Isaiah Simmons only had ten snaps in this last game. The one, the question I just to follow up on that is: Is there anything that does that say anything about maybe some of the other players on the team that you guys aren't as weak there uh, at linebacker or you know? Because I mean, the linebacking group doesn't seem you got was was Hassan Reddick from used to be with Detroit. Well, well, and, and Tony, if I can add on on to that question too, how Ed would you say uh, does the Arizona defense intend to use him? Because oh, yeah, coming that's out the of question. Coming, Coming, yeah. out of, coming out of college, and rightfully so, I mean, I've, I've watched him for three years at Clemson. They used him literally everywhere. I mean, they would take advantage of matchups uh, and, and just put Isaiah Simmons at, in a bunch of different places. I had heard that they intend to, that the Cardinals intend to play him as a full-time linebacker. I don't know if that was true or not. How would you say the, uh, that Isaiah Simmons fits into that defense and into their future plans? Ideally, he's going to be used as a Swiss Army knife, and that's why I think they're kind of like slowly getting him incorporated because, you know, every you might find him in a linebacker position. You might find him 
maybe playing a little deeper in the secondary. Then, you know, we've had troubles covering tight ends for a long time out here. They could use him as a rover to cover tight ends. And that's yeah. why I think it's like a slow process with him because it's not like just putting some, you know, put your hand in the ground and go get the quarterback or, you know, shoot this gap. They've probably overloaded him with information. It's just going to take him some time because when he does develop, you're going to see this dude all over the place. So you can't zero in, you know, on where he's going to be and what his role is going to be. So I think that's probably the biggest issue is like, it's not just, he's not going to be one of this or that they're kind of grooming him. And actually like, and I, I say it again, I'm glad they're bringing him along slowly because you can really, uh, you know, mess with a young man's confidence. You throw him out there and one, he doesn't know what he's doing and then not able to do it either because, you know, he's not playing against men and not boys anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really happy to have asked you that because I, I know that, that uh, a lot of the talk about him was, is it, wherever he gets drafted, is the coaching staff going to be uh, in a position to actually use him that way, like a defensive Swiss army knife. And, um, I'm happy to hear that the Cardinals that you feel that the Cardinals intend to do that because I, I believe that he does have the potential to really be an all-around weapon that you can put all over the field. It sounds like it's yeah. um you know you can run a four three but you gotta learn to play fast right and that's where yeah, yeah. and that's and it's gonna and when you're in the open field it's so much uh, easier to see when you're not playing fast. You know, oh, or yeah. when Raheem yeah. Mostert, the, the sprinter, runs by you. It's really uh, it's glaring at that point. So it's kind of hard to cover up those words. we got a, one question from the chat room, though, that I think is interesting before I want to continue with the defense a little bit. But he's asking about injuries on the Cardinals because the Panthers right now, we've been having – we've had problems with the injury on the offensive line. Strangely, we've been pretty good at it. Uh, we got a little uh, – What Dante Jackson's got a flat tire sort of ankle injury, and he's like the corner we need. So what is the injury status for the Cardinals at this point uh, and, and come on the road heading into Carolina? You know, and that's a great question, Tony. I have to actually get updated. The biggest one for me is Buda Baker. I think he's going to be a down for at least a week or so. I think he's having some surgery on a thumb, and, you know, he's been – unbelievable you know you know he signed that big contract on the offseason uh toward the end of last year man he was flying around like a missile out there and is picked right up where he left off uh you know and you know i'll check out the injury report but right now nothing major other than buddha baker i think we're pretty healthy uh i think christian kirk was out last week for us right we'll see whether he's coming back uh but you know then we had andy isabella step up and just you know Golly, I wish I had him on my fantasy team this week, but who saw that coming, you know? But uh, overall, we've been pretty healthy, and, you know, like I said, we're definitely going to miss Buddha, but we'll see, you know, how, you know, obviously you guys, I'm not sure what the uh, status is of McCaffrey, but, uh, you know, it, I mean, this – He's not, He won't be available this week. We put him okay. on IR, so it's a minimum of three weeks because I think they changed okay. the IR rules for COVID, but – um, yeah, like right a- now, there's no reason to rush him back or anything with the way the Panthers are. I, what what happened with Kyler Murray this week? You know, I man, I, it was one of those situations, man. Where it was, at the, and I'm not gonna say everybody was the hype was the hype train was out there. Obviously, he's you know skirting around on the field, and I was talking about it last week when we all play a little video games, and at least in the past I did, you know, you play Madden and they got that turbo boost button, you know, it looks like the first couple Press weeks, it looks like, like crazy. Just, 
yeah, somebody was hitting that button, and he's made some moves and things, and it's like, wow, you know. Man, I just think it got, you know, it was one of those weeks where some some not rookie mistakes, but second-year quarter, quarterback mistakes. And I will go back to this, and you guys watch this as you, like, follow his career. Mm-hmm. He has a little bit of trouble throwing the ball over the middle of the field, once again, because of his height, and that's why a lot of our attack – and I don't like a lot of our take a, attack is sideline to sideline. When he does throw it on the field, it's usually when he rolls out so they can kind of create some lanes for him. When he drops straight back and the big trees are in front of him, it's really tough for him to see downfield, and some of those defenders are hidden. And that's when that's what I saw this week. There was a couple times his mistakes were he was right in the middle of the pocket, kind of looking but not quite seeing the entire field. Let it go, and sure enough, there was somebody who stepped right in front of the path, and I do think that's because he doesn't have that heighted elevation, you know, like a tall statured Brady and some of the others. Obviously, he's quicker than them, but he doesn't have that ability to see the entire field at ease, and that's always mm-hmm. going to be a problem for him. And that was just, you know, something that I kind of observed. Yeah, that with the first pick, pick stuff like that. that first pick was over the middle, and it was he had to throw it a hair high. It felt like and, yeah, and it bounced yeah. off the guy's hands and and then into the secondary. He threw that one. There was one pass he threw that hit like four guys. It looked like he skipped a rock <laughs> across a lake. Uh, but what a for for such a small dude, he's got such a what a little can- man. He's just got a cannon though. Yeah, um, he does. He yeah. did run into Akuda, a first round pick in this, and Akuda made some good plays in there. But you guys, DeAndre Hopkins, the giant acquisition for the Arizona Cardinals, the trade, the big deal. Um, what? What does he mean to this squad? He's on my fantasy team, and this mug gets ten catches again. Man, you talking about a steal? When that trade came down, I thought, I, you know, I was like, I couldn't, have, I couldn't see that right, you know, especially because of what we gave away, uh, David Johnson, who, you know, quite still honestly, hurt. Had he lost still favor. hurt. Yeah, and he, you know, he just wasn't feeling it here. The fans were no longer feeling him to get he, to to send him away with a couple picks and get DeAndre, who's quite honestly top three at at, at worst as That's far as wide right, receiver. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you. And to get him and then not only get him, but he actually signed an extension because he was like, look, I want to be here. I want to be a part of this. And he basically said, this is what I want. No trade clause, uh, no no um, franchise tag. But, man, they locked him up. And I'm telling you, with the way, if they can just continue to add around him and, you know, and obviously we always have Kyler, who's now – we went from – Josh Rosen and and uh, who was it? Um, Sam Bradford a couple years ago. To now we have our franchise quarterback. We have a legitimate top NFL wide receiver, along with Larry Fitzgerald, the consummate pro. And you know what he does accepts his role is not the number one anymore. But I'm gonna give you everything I got on the inside. We can if we can ever add a solid tight end, continue to establish that running game, and then I always say always have to put, you know, effort into creating a better offensive line. But, I mean, the future here looks so bright, and it all revolves around Kyler and DeAndre. 
Did mm-hmm. DeAndre look at Larry Fitzgerald and say, I see what you did. You've been playing with this team and making all this money with them. I'm just going <laughs> to do what you do. Is good Lord. Yeah. And then you got to see Larry Fitzgerald versus Adrian Peterson. It was like, the, and both of these old guys are out there producing this past week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's wild. But if I was Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, not Larry, if I was uh, Hopkins, I, that's the team you want to play for because they will keep paying you. Well, you know, the the strange thing is, Tony, for the longest time, we've been the organization that wouldn't open up the pocketbook. I mean, it was like they had mothballs in there, man, because they wouldn't, you know, pay certain guys to stay. And that's why, you know, you lose your Clayus Campbells and you run down the list of people that we've lost because they weren't willing to open up the, the purse. And for DeAndre, that was such a special talent. And remember, too, they also uh, paid Buddha, made him the highest safety, I think, in the in the league, highest defensive back in the history of the league almost, I think, uh, just earlier in the offseason. So, you know, you can do that sometime when you have a rookie quarterback on his deal. But mm-hmm. uh, right now, man, they've decided that we're going to make a go for this and maybe treat players the way they're always supposed to be treated in the first place. Give them a little cash. Yeah. Uh, well, Tony, you, you kind of walked into the question I was going to ask about that because I wanted to talk about DeAndre Hopkins too. So I want to ask it right now while we're still kind of in this conversation is I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL. Like hands down, he puts up the same numbers that all these other players they talk about yards wise, but the touchdowns as well. He's consistent. He's there every game. Killer trade, like you said. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Yeah. I want to know how you think the fit is with Kyler and DeAndre because DeAndre has always been known for me as a touchdown monster. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has multiple seasons. This year, he has almost four hundred or three hundred fifty-six yards, thirty-two receptions through three games. That's a really good average, but only one touchdown. Do you think that's going to eventually evolve into being a touchdown monster again? Like, how, how is their connection for you, it, Kyler? It's good. I, I like how they're starting short, you know. And eventually, you know, what we have to do, we have to get them some support on the outside. Uh, Larry is no longer that dude up the field and Christian Kirk for whatever, you know, we just can't figure him out to this point. And obviously he was injured last week. We have to have a complimentary piece on the outside with DeAndre to free up some of those coverages over the top. And once we do, once we figure that portion of it out, all this stuff that's short. And then the other part of it is we got to get away from this horizontal game side to side and we get DeAndre a little more vertical whether, you know, we have to get Kyler out in, 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 uh, out of the pockets and stuff like that. But that's where he makes his bread and butter. DeAndre Hopkins can get over the top of just about any uh, defense. And, he's I mean, his catch radius is unbelievable. So that's yeah. only going to just develop. And once again, I go back to the fact that these guys didn't even have a full offseason to do the workouts, you know, uh, do those passing, uh, you know, drills and different things. So it's only going to get better. It's just a matter of time. And it's all going to be a work in the process to start. But actually, I like the direction they're going. And obviously, with the number of balls, you can obviously oh, tell he's God. looking for a lot. Yeah. They have yeah. chemistry just based on volume. And to follow up on that question, one thing I've always said is that, um, or I've been known to say, is that fans, and fantasy football has kind of done this to us, Have a we have a sort of recency bias. So there was this mm-hmm. idea that DeAndre Hopkins had lost something because last year wasn't the year that he had put up the biggest numbers ever, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like we can get trapped into that idea, and it almost feels like GMs somewhere, at least Bill O'Brien maybe have gotten trapped into that idea, <sighs> that recency bias. But just, Greg, to make you feel better about the touchdown thing is he really should have two because he okay. got tackled on the one 
<laughs> in uh, in week one, I think. And his knee was, right. I mean, he got in the end zone. I mean, his knee was down, so he didn't get in. But he should have two right now. Do right. you, Ed, do you see that recency bias with, with players around the league? Oh, absolutely. And, Tony, sometimes, like, we, we forget where these guys are playing sometimes, too. You're coming from a, a O'Brien offense uh, that, you know, they I, I feel so schizophrenic. sorry for it. It's schizophrenic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel so far sorry for Deshaun Watson. He's always running for his life. They never seem to have a what's called game plan. Then you come over here, and I'm nowhere near ready to give Kingsbury the genius title. But you can at least see he's innovative with what he's doing. And like I said, as long as they stay on that path, DeAndre's definitely going to flourish in this system. And, you know, like I said, like you said, Tony, everybody looks at it's more about stats and not necessarily the fit and like the chemistry and like, you know, and we always use that word potential, but this one has the potential to be really good for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, DeAndre, like I said, he's, he's, I, the more I see him, uh, the more I'm just like, wow, we, we really stole that one right there. Talk, talk to you us really a little did. bit about Kingsbury because, you know, I had some, I want, uh, you know, some reservations about not only college quarter um, coaches. It's not even the college coach thing. It's just guys that have, we have a limited sample set. But you guys got better throughout the season last year, mm-hmm. right? Is that week to week, it felt like the Cardinals were getting better. And it looks like it's organized right now you know the defense has gotten better the offense you don't look like he doesn't look like he's in over his head at this point so just speak a little bit on what kingsbury's doing yeah after we went through what we went through a couple years ago it was you know it was i thought the the franchise was heading into the toilet you go out and you get a kingsbury and i was very skeptical myself when they first hired him because it was at that period where if you uh, had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay or bumped into him in the elevator. Now, all of a sudden, you were a genius, and we got to have you. And, <laughs> and you know, that's, it was when they went and hired him away from USC, just like you. I was thinking, look, this dude had a losing record in college. Nothing really impressed me. You know, he was going to USC, and all of a sudden, he's our man, and we got to have him. And I thought, wow, they really jumped the shark on this one. But what I like more than anything is that he has these guys prepared each week. And I talked before the season, I told everybody, look, you know, I'm not expecting a playoff season. I'm not, you know, maybe we get six, top out at seven wins. It looks a little brighter now, but at the beginning of the season, I said, it's not even about winning games. It's about competing every week, showing that you're prepared, and, you know, figuring out a way those games that you should win, you win them. The teams that maybe have a little more talent than you, at least stay in the games, and then we start figuring out, you know, week by week, you know, we start winning some of those games that we weren't supposed to. And But every week, I'm looking for preparedness more than anything. You know, we're going to have your lapses and maybe play calling or, you know, we have Kyler have a couple miscues this week. But they look good. They look fast. They look like they know what they're doing. And that's the most important thing for me. And it all starts with the head coach. And he also has Vance Johnson as a good uh, secondary guy over there on the defensive side of the ball, too. So let me let, let me kind of move this conversation towards the game this Sunday, right? Now, from my perspective, I look at it like I thought the Chargers were going to have a get-right game. I mean, I thought that that they were going to come in, and Justin Herbert, in his second start after going from the Chiefs to the Panthers. Like, a, a lot of us were kind of expecting to lose that game, and then, you know, we essentially kind of luck our way into, into a W. Um, from, you know, from the rational perspective, 
it's easy for me to say this right now about the Arizona Cardinals. I, I mean, I can see how Cardinals fans would look at this. Like, all right, we got Carolina. This is a get-right game. Yeah, we're on the road. We're going to the East Coast. But, I mean, come on. We got DeAndre Hopkins on Dante. And we honestly don't even know uh, what kind of injury. Dante Jackson's dealing with the injury right now. We don't really know what kind of injury it is. We're assuming that he's going to play. Uh, but, man, then outside of that, it's like I don't see us having answers for Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella. You add in one of the craftiest receivers of all time and Larry Fitzgerald, and then Kyler's ability to move and escape pressure. Like, I see it as a recipe for the Cardinals to put up a 30 or 40 burger on us. Like, how are you assessing the Cardinals and their chances going into this game against Carolina on the road? After the Detroit loss, that's those are the eye-openers. You know, yeah. they were kind of feeling their musk a little bit after, you know, going to San Fran winning, and then you pile us off a Washington team that I obviously don't think they're very good, but obviously everybody starts getting in your ear, and then you let one slip against Detroit. We should have won that game. Now that's an opportunity for the coaching staff to kind of remind us, guys, we're not as good as we think we are yet. And if you go over there to Carolina and we're not focused, we'll walk away two and two. So, you know, for me, this is – I wouldn't call this a get-right game. This, for the Cardinals, this is a get-back-on-track game. And, right. you know, that kind of kind of aids the coaching staff, like I said, in terms of refocusing the guys. And we're not too deep in the season like that. Not like they were 7-0 and or anything like that. But even a 2-0 and start after beating San Fran might have had a little, you know, maybe a look-ahead feel for the Cardinals. And I guarantee you uh, coaches are in their ear this week getting them refocused which, you know, hopefully with a good game plan, we come across and handle our business. But, you know, the, the, that Detroit loss was definitely something that piqued the interest of the coaching staff and opened up some eyes uh, in that locker room as well. We got a question you- in the chat room uh, that I want to ask you. I know we've kept you past the time, I promised you, and I thank you for your generosity here. Is the, sure. the, the question about this is the historically the problem really has been for the Cardinals is the offensive line. Mm-hmm. What what's going on there this year? And then I would like to just ask you, how's the defense looking this year? Uh, the offensive line, and they're dealing with the same thing everybody else across the league is no time to work with each other during the offseason. You know, I had a couple guys. I think we, we lost somebody on the offensive line. I can't remember the name off the top of my head uh, right at the start of the season. So we're still – it's like we're put, still putting pieces together. These guys are still learning how to work together. And it's some, there are times when they're going to look really good, but they're going to look really good, Tony, because um, Kyler Murray makes them look good. He's either escaping or, you know, he feels pressure, gets out of there, and a, what would have been a sack turns into a 7, 8, 9, 10-yard run or a touchdown or something like that, and they all get credit for that. But when you break down the film, you'll see an offensive unit that is still trying to figure out. We don't have what you call an anchor on either side. We got some mismatched pieces in the middle, but it's 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 – going to take time to develop them but I, I they look better than what i imagine because after last year you know we kind of looked decent toward the end of the year with Kenyon drake coming here but i saw the if the inefficiencies but so far this year hasn't been too bad uh defensively man we got Chandler jones up front and you know some of the other pieces we have uh they you know they can make some things happen chandler's taking a lot of double teams right now uh, but, you know, and his numbers are always going to be skewed when he's getting that much attention. But he'll find a way to get his sacks here and there. Um, you know, we got Patrick Peterson on the outside. This is kind of one of those 
get right years for him because everything's going through over the last couple of years with the, you know, wanting to be traded two years ago. And then all of a sudden, you know, he gets caught with the PED suspension to start last year. You know, he's got that captain C back on his chest, so he's got a lot to prove. And what I like, you know, we, Isaiah Simmons is going to eventually fit in there uh, more than anything. Like I said, these Vance Johnson has these guys flying around. The loss of Buddha is going to be something that we're going to feel. What I saw earlier is not going to be a long absence. It should be about a week or two. But when he's not back there kind of controlling the, the back end of that defense and then flying around and making tackles all over the line of scrimmage and beyond, you know, it's going to, it's going to hurt us a little bit, but you know, we're going to bring the, we'll bring a punch this week. It's just, you know, without McCaffrey, I mean, I know there are a lot of guys will say, wow, we want to play the best, but man, a lot of dudes are like, well, he's not going to be back this week. So, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. That's what I do have another, uh, another question that kind of leads off that. And I just want to know what's your expectations for the Cardinals this year. So, for example, like the us Panther fans, and this has been a hot button issue. Like, what this team actually is, how good we actually are. Are we in the running for one of the big time quarterbacks coming out in the draft or not? What do you feel about this Arizona Cardinals team right now? I know it's early. We're, we've only played three weeks of football, but our Cardinal fans kind of feeling like. Hey, we might be able to make a legit playoff push or more. Wow, this card. Year. It's going to be cats, tough to catch those Seahawks. Well, yeah, that and this division in itself. You know, the being in the, you know, Rams are looking pretty good. Uh, Seattle, they look phenomenal. And then yeah. you got to remember, even though San Francisco's banged up, they're the defending NFC champions. If and when they get healthy, they'll be right there in the mix as well. I started at the beginning of the season, me and my partner, Javon, on the I Believe in Arizona Cardinals podcast, we gave our estimation. I was like, if this is a six, seven-win season, I'm feeling good. And I think I mentioned it early. It's all about how you lose games if you're going to lose them and how you're competing each week. Now, I revised that a little bit because they did come out and they beat San Fran, and they looked pretty good. They don't look like I thought they would to start the season. If we get the nine wins – I mean, that for me would be a victory victory this year. The back end of our schedule is a beast. You know, we've obviously we've got two with Seattle. you got two with the Rams. you got one more with San Francisco. we got a lot in some tough road games, Dallas and different things. So it's good to get off the, the, the mat early and get you a couple in now because later on in the season, some of them W's might be harder to come by. So to answer your question, Cody, we get the – Eight, nine wins, like I said, for me, that's a success. I'm not looking playoffs or anything like that, especially because the NFC is so competitive right now. But like I said, we, we get in that area, I think we'll be okay. And that build that's the building block for uh, this year and beyond. Yeah, right. I'll pass uh, it on. To we got to let him go. I told him I told him only 30, uh, 20 minutes. <laughs> and Kyler Murray is an MVP dark horse. I mm-hmm. still believe that. That guy is like Sonic the Hedgehog wearing a red jersey. <laughs> Kyler Murray's a beast. Appreciate you hanging out with us, head. I mean, you guys are the best anytime. And I'm gonna, I want to have you guys on my show one of these days. Of my, uh, we'll do the Believe Believe podcast. But one of these days, I want to have you join me on the uh, the Saturday show as well, the radio. Yeah, show can you tell everybody where, how they can find your uh, the podcast and when you guys, how often you guys um, drop yeah. the show. We're on the Believe Network, and Javon and I drop it every Wednesday. We've been doing them Thursdays. We're going to start doing them on Wednesdays, and that's B-L-E-A-V. If you go to uh, the Believe podcast, you can check them on uh, Facebook as well. And then I do the radio show out here on 1060 AM every Saturday. Uh, We hit past the three-and-a-half-year mark uh, in uh, early September. 
1060 AM KDUS every Saturday from 10 to 12. If you go on Facebook and check out the Easy Sports Talk, um, you can actually watch the show live on there every Saturday and catch the uh, follow-ups on it as well. We uh, post it on there. So I appreciate you guys, man. You guys are, are really, really cool, man. It's good to see you guys. Man, I appreciate it. Thanks Thank you, again for your time. All right, guys, that's Ed Smith. You can find him at Ed Smith Speaks on Twitter. And go check out the Believe in Cardinals podcast because I know you're tired of hearing my voice. So you might as well hear somebody else's voice because that one is silky. All right, guys, uh, what uh, Mike Vela said in the chat was this. Sounds like he says, Caroline going to get beat. that's basically look is that it sounds like even with injuries that defense is improved right from the past and um kyler murray is proving that he's he belongs right is that you were there were some concerns you look at the little mighty mouse running like is it gonna work it's working kingsbury's getting the team better each week that's problematic. I think, though, can we make any parallels between the Cardinals and the Panthers? As in maybe a year or two down the road. I mean, obviously, we don't have DeAndre Hopkins yeah. and we don't have a number one draft pick. It really helped that you bring in Kingsbury and you give him Kyler Murray to start. That makes yeah. your yeah. life a little easier, right? It, but it does. what he was talking about is something that I've kind of been saying is it's about the team getting better throughout the season. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and again, and then I'll pass it to Greg. Everybody's dealing with the with the COVID world, right? And he was talking about not having enough time in preparation. But I, I think, listen, I think that we should aspire to kind of get on the same path that the Cardinals are on. Like, uh, that's what a rebuild could look like for us. Even if this is a really bad year, I mean, there could legitimately – uh, you know, uh, a year or two down the road, we could really be on to something really good if we're able to get the right quarterback in place and let our coaches feel like they have the type of talent they need on both sides of the football to let them spread their wings. They got good. They got better fast. They yeah. went from a talentless team with Steve Wilkes. There was zero t- – Steve Wilkes, like, set a record – for the most transactions that year. <laughs> like yeah. there was not only were they riddled with injury, but all the movement we see on our practice squad, they were doing on the active roster then. Mm-hmm. And then Buda Baker, Deont- like some things now, but this is what I'm telling you, and we said this in the post game show, is that if we make some right picks and then we get so if we hit this draft, we hit another draft, and we get one free agent. Look at what DeAndre Hopkins has done. Yeah. 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 And I think that's the only difference right now between us and them. You're right. We do have the possibility to move forward like they are. And, and it, it very well could be. And I hope we do. Uh, you know, we just don't have, I don't see Teddy Bridgewater as a Kyler Murray. Oh, no, no. And I don't, even I don't close. see anybody on the roster that could be uh, De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins, even though you're right. It could just be one free agent away, but we're not a big market that signs free agents. People don't want to come to Charlotte. But we're going to have up, money next you know? year. We're gonna now. We don't actually know right. what the salary cap's gonna be. So, wouldn't it suck? Would it not suck a d if the first time we got money is the first time in the last ten years the salary cap went down? Ta- 
Yeah, but it's only going to go down a few million, right? It's not going to go down tremendously. Like, nothing right, to right, really right. protest. Yeah. So. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess so. It's based on revenue, number? though. It's, I think. I think it's based on league revenue is how they calculate yeah. it. Well, there's no fans. There haven't been hardly any fans, so who knows? But unless they're paying hundred dollars for those cardboard cutouts to sit in the seats of the stadiums, I don't know. Yeah. And that's a good question. It's a complicated formula, so I don't even know. Maybe the owners actually get all the concessions and stuff like that, and then it's like ticket sales, and you know, there we don't. I don't know what counts as rev- league revenue versus. Team revenue, you know, is that there are, I think, silos where the owner gets straight cash, right? Like, I don't think that uh, the players get a share of the drinks. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't know the formula. And it's it's always this complicated complicated one. Uh, Cody, do you got anything to say before we get into the cat calls? Um, No, man. You were trying to say something. All right. All right. Let's go ahead. Yeah, please. Positive note on on Teddy Bridgewater for everybody who says that I hate that I hate him and I can't do it. He had two really nice long passes, one at the end of the third quarter, one in the fourth quarter to close the game out. Yeah. I was very impressed with two two deep passes that were perfectly placed. Well, one wasn't perfectly placed, but it was put with the only the receiver could get it. So, but two two good deep passes, and I want to put that out there. I'm I'm commending him for that. That was there. It's very nice. We'll talk about uh, it later. I'm, sure. I'm messaging CK. He left the stream. Yeah, I know. Do you know? Just, yeah. I, thought, I didn't go. know to go stream. I thought he had to like go oh, take he care left of his kid. To stream. Yeah. Oh, I got you. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Um, okay, let's go ahead and jump in these cat calls real quick. So what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty sh- You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think cat calling makes the person feel? It feels good like Cover me for a second. I gotta take a leak. I've been waiting now. <laughs> hey, C3 fam, Panther Nation at large. It's your boy, Josh McMath. Uh, What's up, Josh? I didn't call in for the reaction show, but I'm, I'm, well, I'm usually watching games with other people, so I got. Step away is not always uh, exactly easy. I get the time to make the call. Anyhow, thoughts on uh, the game? Um, kind of surprised we pulled that one out. Um, seems like the lead kind of blew in our direction, if you will. Things kind of fell to us. Um, you know, but it, we didn't squander that so much. Uh, Teddy looked all right. Looks like he you know, got the unforked arm once there and kind of kind of wondering where that is or I wonder if that not happening so much as a result of things still being very new. Um, would have liked to have, have, have seen him push a little more, get him a little further downfield, you know, settling for five five, five field goals. I mean, that, that points to, uh, you know, I mean, I know things get tougher the closer you get to the end zone because there's less, you know, less field for the defense has Defense, blah blah blah. I get it. I get it. Um, but still, I mean, that's five wasted trips. In my opinion. I mean, it's not wasted because you got points. But no. um, defense, wow, wow, quite the improvement. Um, 
I'm eager to see some more. I think the defense is going to be what really, really comes into its own first. Um, And it's probably going to be around like week eight that they really start becoming, you know, start becoming competent. Um, But it was nice to see us get some pressure today. Nice to see the takeaways. Nice to see, uh, you know, some of these guys really. Mass, great call. A lot to it touched on just about everything there, man. He gave us a pretty full uh, assessment of what he thought of the game. Um, I do want to touch on one of the last things that Josh mentioned, and uh, I do hope that when Christian comes back again, just for the sake of his health, uh, that we continue to not run him like we did last year. Like, I want Christian to have a long career here. I don't mind letting some other backs get some touches, especially if Mike Davis has proven that he could be a good change of pace back and pound the ball in the middle. If our offensive line is up to running the football, yeah, let Christian get some breaks. Let him get some breathers. Um, I mean, we we want Christian McCaffrey to be his healthiest when this team is at their best, and ideally that's, you know, uh, maybe a year or two from now. Yeah, I think uh, just to follow up on that point too, Cody, is sometimes it doesn't even need to be about protecting him. Well, I mean, that is important. But also, we should be competent as a football team when he's not out there. Yeah, And it it feels like this is like you almost know that there's no chance they're going to run it. When he's not out. I mean, well, we haven't even seen the team out there without him on it. So it would be nice just to have different looks to make the defense a little bit more, you know, and and I've liked some of the things that Joe Brady has done where he has motioned Christian McCaffrey out and then motion like, say, Curtis Samuel into the backfield. I think he did that in week two or something like that. You know, and it wasn't – it's just given these looks that say – that that I think could help extend his career as well. Uh, I do before we go to the next call. I want to mention this. I just received an email from this guy named Ben Foreman from Amazon. All right, and it All says right. this. He says, "Hi, I oversee sports video content for Amazon Alexa. I'd like to discuss featuring your YouTube channel as part of a pregame show we're developing for the Echo Show devices and Fire TV." No, yeah. all right. Yeah. Yeah. So all he's right. like, if you're interested, I've got some questions for you. So I'm like, huh. yeah. Hey. hey, moving on up. Ben Foreman smashed that. the thumbs up button. Why don't you guys? All right, next call. 
Hey guys, how's it going? This is uh, Jason. I'm a Panthers fan out from uh, Colorado. What's um, up, Jason? I'm the first time calling. I've been listening for a long time, and I gotta say, I like a lot of the uh, as much as I do love the long, you know, the long form stuff that you've been doing for a long time. I do also like the uh, introduction of the short form stuff. So I mean, good on keeping on the variety, and I uh, yeah. doing great things for the podcast. Um, Wait until he but, hears uh, about my Amazon anyway, show. Um, you know, the one thing I always get is, you know, why are you a Panthers fan being out here in Colorado? And so, you know, I guess to break the ice, my uh, Panthers fan story is basically relates to when I first got into football. And it was, uh, I've seen from Colorado, I like the Denver Broncos, but we also had Tim Tebow. And Tim Tebow was really exciting. He was that movie style leader who could always rally people and, and in, I believe it was 2011 or 2012, they had one season where they had, I believe it was like four or five come from behind overtime victories. And that's just exciting stuff that, you, that is hard to, uh, hard to reproduce and, and whatnot. But then, you know, they cut him for Peyton Manning, which, uh, you know, really upset me as a fan in hindsight. Now that I know more about football, it made total sense, but it really pissed me off. And so, I was kind of looking around the league trying to find uh, a fandom because I was just getting into football, and I saw that, you know, I was kind of wondering what I thought was important, and I saw that Cam Newton really knew how to have fun. And I think that was one of the things that was kind of missing from the league and still is largely, but Cam Newton made it fun for everybody. Even Christian McCaffrey said that when he left that Cam Newton taught me how to have fun. He always thought about it like a That's a great point. But uh, – Anyway, that's enough about me. You know, talking about this week, um, I got to say, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine what if when we were failing to convert on all these third downs. Cam Newton looked amazing. He got that ground game going phenomenally. And with Rex Burkhead, it's almost, you know, he's kind of the poor man's Christian McCaffrey. It's hard not to wonder what could have been. But, you know, it's, you know, we do have to move on. I understand people got to move on. But, um also, Teddy, he's missing a lot of short throws, and it's those are kind of the ones that we really expect him to make. Um, and I understand you're not going to make all of them, but there's some really easy ones that just seem like they could have really contributed to the offense. Um, and uh, But one thing that, that I really thought was a positive is, is the special teams game. Farrell Cooper, I don't know if you guys saw that, but there was this one punt that he took it from, guy. like, halfway back through the end zone. And he kind of scouted out how the field looked, and then he took off. And he actually managed to get it out past the 25 to, like, the 28 or something. But it easily could have been a lot better. And I I, I know that you guys have mentioned. Oh, all right. So, uh, no, here, hold on. Let me see. Let me see if he called. If he, maybe he that's back. my Colorado doppelganger right there, man. That guy. Uh, every single thing he mentioned is something I've been bringing up. Yes. I, <laughs> uh, hold on, hold on. God, I got too many dang <laughs> windows open. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Maybe. Yep, he did call back. So, let's hear. We'll just go ahead with it because it is. He was hitting. He was starting to really hit his stride. Uh, yeah, good po- I like that uh, point about Christian McCaffrey having fun. But now I know about the time limit on the call, and I'll keep that in mind moving forward. But uh, Farrell Cooper, great job. Curtis Samuel and Mike Davis, Tony, you called it last week that they were going to split some time in the backfield. And I'm kind of excited to see. I know that a lot of the sweeps were failing this week, but if we do manage to, to spring one of those free, I think with the misdirection and Curtis and Samuel's ability to, to stay on his feet after contact, I think we could expect a lot of exciting things from that offense. Um, and that being said, I really also expected Teddy to be under more pressure, uh, especially up against uh, 
the Chargers' defensive front. They're really talented. I expected them to have more penetration and for really for them to get some more sacks and cause some, some ruckus. But I think that also could speak to the quality of the play calling. Um, I know that it wasn't very flashy, but it did allow him to get the ball out of his – him being Teddy Bridgewater – to get the ball out of his hands quickly, and it allowed us to keep the defense on their heels. And not to mention Teddy's hard count, which got Joey Bosa a number of times – and really, they managed to keep the defense on their heels, and I thought that was that was really uh, nice to see them able to uh, take advantage of that. And then one the one last point that I was listening to in the after uh, after game reaction show was that um, Shaq, how, everything about Shaq Thompson and whether or not he's he's what we thought he is. But one of the things that I wanted to present is is. I want you guys to talk about what, who are the other free agents that were available at the linebacker position and whether or not we could have afforded them with our salary cap situation. But my best impression is that Tahir Whitehead was the best we were going to get, and I really do think he's not very good. He's kind of a one-trick pony, so we have to pin him into a position which he's going to play. Unfortunately, he's middle linebacker, which is an important position, but – I don't think he's good enough to have the flexibility to cover different parts of the field. I think Shaq does have that, and even though he might be better in the middle, I think that we have to have them from a liability perspective covering the edges. But anyway, um, I'll, I'll let you go. I love what, you, what you're doing with the podcast. Keep pounding. Shout out to Joey the Blind Panther. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, what a great call. And uh, you know what Bruce Willis would say. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, do I sound like I'm on a pizza? What money? What kind of terrorists are you? <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. Hey, Welcome to the party, pal. Great call to inaugurate yourself into the C3 uh, cat calls line. Um, just I think the the name that comes to mind about a free agent linebacker would have been Joe Sherbert, Schober, yes. Schober. and I don't yep. know we you know we have to go look and see what he's doing in Jacksonville, but that's a good point. Is you know losing Luke Keekley, so some of it's not about only Shaq, but some other factors. All right, I'm gonna turn the mic over to Greg, Greg the doppelganger. Uh, from oh Colorado. man, he's crazy. Speak on it. Yeah, he, he he raised a bunch of great points about Cam Newton. He raised a bunch of great points about uh, you know uh, where the team's at right now. Uh, asking about linebackers coming in, I agree with you. The the Joe Schobert, I think, or Scobert, whatever you say his name, that was somebody I was calling for a long time ago when he was a free agent. But uh, yeah, man, I, I liked everything he was saying here. Um, he, he feels like I think that he's kind of in the same position I am, where he's seeing what Bridgewater's doing. I'm impressed with this, with X and this and this and this, but they're still lacking this. I'm not excited about what's going on, but I am not dead to this team right now. Like, I don't feel like, I I don't feel like this team should be tanking. I I feel like we were in a position before we did all these changes. We didn't need to be tanking. I don't think we need to be now either, but the only problem is a six, seven win season doesn't do anything for us. All it does is screw our future. I want to bring up a couple other components of the call too. Is one that was that stuck is the the special teams. Um, yes, special teams have really been a nightmare for the Carolina Panthers for the last six years, mm-hmm. and it has not. And I do believe is Chase Blackburn still on this squad? I believe he's the coach of the special teams that they may have kept him. I'm not one thousand percent sure on that. But really, it shows you how desperately 
I, I think how good Farrah Cooper is. And and it's really hard to quantify that. But think, losing Graham Gano, losing Mike Pilardi, this to me speaks a lot to the coaching on special teams, that our special teams has not been a liability, but actually been a pleasant surprise. J.J. Redundant J., was the game got the, was the game winner for us this last week and on top of that he also brought up the offensive line where you think you should be getting smoked by the Chargers and we really held our own and one of the things that is surprising about that is we talked about um well one is uh, Joey Riolano what's up Joe my my brother from another mother low country cannabis in the chat room he said Moton's our anchor Moten played great, and you know what they did is I wondered, they moved Joey Bosa to the other side trying to take advantage of the Scott guy or um, Little, and strangely, with all of that, um, we were not awful. That has been, and you know what is, that kind of raises a question to me. Is John Matsko the most overrated O-line coach in the history of football? Everybody told us this guy was an offensive line whisperer because of uh, Andrew Norwell. But our offensive line has sucked. They've been way better this year. And that's with COVID. Yeah, and how about this? Um, I'm amongst the the group that thinks that we need to extend Moten. I've been uh, saying need, that. I've been saying that he deserves it more than Kurt. Some people were saying Curtis Samuel. I don't think Curtis Samuel's earned it. I'm not saying that he can't be good, but I think Moten has. Hey, I'm the Curtis Samuel guy on this show, and I'm signing Taylor Moten before I sign Curtis. Wow. I mean, we can we can get speed receivers. It's hard to come across competent tackles. It's really hard, man. Look at Greg Little. Oh, he was this. He was that. And now he's a bump on the log already after his second year. Taylor Moulton, ever since he's been drafted, I feel like has been very good for us. Uh, right tackle is a very important position because a lot of the best edge rushers in today's NFL line up across from that right side. Taylor Moulton went up against Joey Bosa a lot this last Sunday, and, and he won most of them. I mean, Taylor Moulton is a really good tackle. And he's on our football team. And honestly, I think we should have already signed him uh, way before we ever signed uh, Shaq Thompson. But um, again, I, I think I he no brought up faith. a good point with the Shaq thing. Is Shaq was partially a necessity sign. No, it, it was. But, but again, like, what's more of a necessity sign than having a legitimate tackle when sure, but we had Moten under contract for another year that that's our thing is think about we we're talking about how bad our linebacker core is right now but imagine if think, he didn't even have a body back there true but think about how much the cost of tackles are going up and up and every year and this is why I, this is why I've always advocated and, and and what CK kind of brought up in the post game show about signing uh, Christian McCaffrey a little bit early, essentially, is that when you re up a guy early, you get today's rate, not tomorrow's, and yeah. and it's not even. I mean, just think about that. Is like um, 
with Cam. We extended Cam a year early when we gave him his fir- the five year deal or whatever. I mean, there was a way it could have you could have pushed it to the wire. But when you push t- the player to the, you give them more and more leverage. And uh, Moten is a like Moten. They better be trying to lock that up right this second. Because and, and you know what is that right now we're already got our backs in a corner. When it comes to the to tackle play going forward, is Okung's a one year guy, and he, we know he's not. He's old at this point. He's older, and he's not going to be the answer past this year. You're going to have to do something big and special. And I don't know if you want to allocate all your free agency dollars to going and getting a left tackle who is thirty years old and potentially running the you know it would be nice to be able to use a top five pick on a left tackle yeah i wanted to ask moten is a herney guy right no he is uh is a gettleman guy he's a gettleman guy okay yeah Yeah. which actually turned out to be a good draft if you think about it it was um christian mccaffrey taylor moten curtis samuel and then after that, I don't know if we had anybody that's okay. worked well. I'm interested to go back because I'm not saying by any means or defending Herney by any means, but I want to go back and look at all of Herney's good and bad picks versus everybody else we've had and kind of compare those and see in the future. Because I, I, it, it, when I go back and try to think about it, I can't compartmentalize that in my head, like who drafted who. Like who, who's, You're going to find that Marty Herney is, not, is saved – He's saved by his first round draft picks. Okay. Right? Is that if if anything, if Dave Gettleman was doomed by his first draft round draft picks, yeah. Herney has <laughs> been sense. saved yeah. by his in theory. Um and you know, Gettleman, I thought he was gonna be a wonder. That year that we got Ben A. Ben Wickery and he was a turnover machine like there were some times, but um Herney has not ever been great in the mid to mid mid rounds or mid to late rounds, and it hasn't gotten better. And I think Rashawn Golden is really the the stamp that that says this is terrible. You know, is that Rashawn Golden is not even playing football? I don't think. Um, so that's the one that is. I think you'll find out this is at the time. I yeah. Well, no, he's with our team. He, he's still and, playing. He played this weekend. And he, yeah. and he made a good play. Oh, okay, cool. But he did a thing. Yeah. But he's a fifth. <laughs> but he's like a fifth round. <laughs> he said, "Oh, okay, cool." He, he's that. not going to be on our roster, and maybe even another year. Well, God bless so him for like, being on here as long as he is, especially when. And I want to say this is this is something that I did not approve of both the Dave Gettleman and the Ron Rivera regime is that for them, for Ron Rivera being a player's coach and this and that, they really knew how to throw a dude under the bus. They threw Ben... Ben A. Ben Wickery comes off a nasty-ass leg injury. In the first game he plays back, you put him on one on... uh, James Bradbury goes out with a toe injury, and then you put him on Julio Jones, and he gets torched for 300 yards, and you're like... And they're like, he's out of shape. Well, no shit, he's out of shape. He's going against Julio. He ain't played any. Right. <laughs> uh, right. The same thing happened with Corn Elder. The same exact thing happened. It's like you put him on Julio. What did you think? It was like Mike Evans or DeAndre Hopkins. It was something crazy like that. And you're like, 
it, it felt to me like it just slightly unfair. Not that those guys should be bad, right? It's like mm-hmm. I'm not trying to excuse bad play, but you can't put – what do coaches, real great coaches do? They put players in places to succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's a place to fail. Uh, to fail. Uh, Travis Armstrong says Rivera threw Haskins under the bus this past Sunday. I think they both got run over by the same bus, and that bus was named Miles Garrett. <laughs> and that. Let's go to the next call. The number is 252-228-5098. Oh, my God. What's up, guys? Uh, I was just listening to the uh, breakdown of the postgame show, um, and I got to the part where, Cody, thank you. Thank you so much. You finally – called CK out on the way he pronounces Keekly. He was pronounced <laughs> it, it was spelled Q-U-E-K-L-E-Y or something like Q-Kley, like barbecue-Kley. Yeah, like, Q-Kley, what is that? Like, K-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-
still, I need him to show uh, some more emotion on that sideline. Um, reminds me of Cam yeah. and the towel, uh, the towel years where he was oh, just soaked on the sideline. I need him to get our team in the game like Brady does with his team. Um, I need him to be more vocal. This is a good follow-up um, from the last call. Who has to step up in order for us to stay competitive? Uh, competitive, considering it doesn't get any easier for us down the road. Uh, yeah. That's my question for y'all. Uh, my, I got counting. my answer. First of all, great. Uh, my man, that's a that's a great call, especially on the follow up too. Of talking is it was Jason right from uh, Colorado who said he fell in love with the emotion of Cam. Is that the and Greg? As I said, that he has been a, that um, Bridgewater's been emotionless. Right, in so many ways. And then he heard this kind of stupid narrative that Teddy plays angry. Uh, that's what they kept saying on the broadcast or whatever. Uh, I have a, I have a um, one that you're not going to agree with and the fans aren't going to like about the player who needs to step up. Hmm. All right. you want to go first? Or I'm going to tell you. Mind? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be surprised well. because everybody thought he was a player of the game. Brian Burns. I went back and watched. Um, I went and watched the tape, and when I say watch the tape, I just watched the condensed version. I wasn't like taking notes, and you know, like. And again, I am an expert fan, not a football expert. But I saw Brian Burns. What I saw is this: is I saw, and if you if you follow um, WFNZ, Mac, Chris McLean, Panther, um, he loves Panthers more than anybody. He gets so excited about everything. He was like, you can't stop. Brian Burns killing him with this speed rush. And, yes, well, first, that's Brian Burns' main asset, number one. But when I went back and looked at, or I just happened to glance over and see him causing these fumbles, part of it was caused by uh, by Justin Herbert not climbing the pocket. Mm. So if you get a quarterback who drops back like that. And by the way, Herbert kind of has some of the same problems that Cam does, and that is when you're six foot five, your drop back is pretty deep, right? Yeah. And so that helps a speed. You know, how do you really negate a speed rush to the outside, or at least from what I've seen, a lot of these tackles, don't. they're not as fast. But what they do is they find a way to keep them outside and deep. And if the quarterback climbs the pocket, then it's a way to kind of negate the effectiveness of that. What Herbert did not do in that and on those plays was move he dropped back and stayed back, kind of cam esque at a point. And I just I need Brian Burns to develop more than one move. Well, I'm not uh, saying you can't uh, be uh, it. I can't be it. But uh, is that you can't look at two plays where he did the same exact thing and say he's only – it's because he's only narking these dudes. Is Some of it is Justin Herbert not climbing the pocket. Some of it, yes. But then there were also moments when they did climb the pocket where Burns hit him on the arm. Damn near could have bat the ball well, out. There was and only two times. There were two up. times. There were two times it happened. Well, but then there were okay, but it's not just those two. It was also the other plays that he affected with his pressure. 
So this is what I'll say. So there is some credence to what you're saying. Like it's going to be harder for Brian Burns to get his hand on Kyler Murray than it is Justin Herbert, just because Kyler is elusive, he's smaller. You know, I mean, he's a speed guy. But um, again, you also saw edge play help contain uh, a mobile quarterback uh, when uh, if any of you watch Monday Night Football. Uh, the the Chiefs they they sealed the edges. They did not let Lamar escape on the outsides. So I do agree with you, Tony. But it's not about the pass rush. I want to see him to continue to set that physical edge. Which we I saw an improvement. We saw improvement, but I think he's going to have to elevate even more. I don't think we can just say, "Look, it's here right now." Okay. So I'm going to give you my player that I think needs to elevate their game. All right. Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, yeah. Teddy Bridgewater. Because, listen, man, like Greg gave props to um, to Teddy uh, on those deep passes um, in the third and fourth quarter. And, by the way, I, I did the same thing. I do it whenever Teddy throws uh, a deeper pass. I think the deeper passes that he has thrown have looked nice. It doesn't look indicative of a quarterback that can't do it. I want to see more of it. And I want to see Teddy Bridgewater um, just be more, more willing to push the football down the field, make some dynamic plays. Like you're not going to be able to dink and dunk. I mean, let's show that we can get up to an early lead against our opponents, hitting all areas of the field. I mean, if Teddy's having a, a, a problem doing that early in the football game, then we need to know why. Is it on the coaching staff not calling it? because they don't trust him enough to do it? Or is Teddy just not hitting those plays, not seeing them open? Or is he just reticent to take that deep shot? I don't know what it is, but I want to see a more aggressive Teddy Bridgewater. I'm waiting for him to shut me up. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. That, that That's the exact same point that I'm at. I, and, and I want it to happen. I really do. I want him to shut me up. I want him to have a great game. I want to ask you, though, he did have some more deep passes in this game than he has in the previous two. Do you think that had to do with coverage, with um, him getting more comfortable with the the scheme, or with the lack of Christian McCaffrey having that safety blanket underneath? I mean, it could be a number of things. And then you see Teddy Bridgewater even on Twitter before the season starting fights with fans and shit. So maybe it's possible that he's even seeing people criticizing him for not doing it. Um, uh, you know, I think another thing is that I'm willing to give him some leeway on is that again, may, not having the uh, amount of preparation time due to COVID, maybe it's just taking him a little longer to find that rhythm and find that confidence. Um, maybe he doesn't trust his protection. It could be a number of things, but I am happy that Supreme Leader brought up that point. Cam Newton detractors have been trying to say how bad of a leader he is for years now. And yet, Teddy Bridgewater knows that there's a large portion of the fan base that isn't happy that he's our quarterback. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you be going out of your way to ingratiate yourself to not only your teammates, but your fan base? Dude, you know how much I would love Teddy if I saw him got mad on the sideline and pissed off? But I don't want him to be somebody he's not either. You know, is that he might be not Teddy, not too high, not too low. I want to see at least some emotion. You don't have to be uh, Tom Brady flipping out, throwing your helmet. 
but I want to see you be the leader of the football team. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, I, I, one other last point, then we'll move to the next call, is the Jeremy Chin. Um, what, the Chin Check. Chin What's interesting Chin-check. is um, following up on Ed Smith from the Believe in Cardinals podcast, talking about some of the limitations that maybe Isaiah Simmons is trying to face with a lack of, you know, preparation, you know, and that they're trying to ease him in, in a way it shows you too. maybe chin is the diamond in the rough here because like we, he doesn't have that luxury and he is. And, and, and then also the stupid pro football, what is it? Did you see them rate him as like one of the worst players or something? What is it? Yeah, man, they they had him as like one of their uh, least ranked defenders. I don't know if it was in all the NFL, but it was at least on in that on game. The or something. Yeah, and dude, I just, dude, the more and more time goes on, the less and less I value what PFF have to say. I normally like their defensive line and offensive line stats. I think they're pretty good on that. They match up with what I see at least. But, dude, when you look at how we're using him and the plays that he's making and how fast he is, like, dude, I don't understand how anyone looks at that and says, oh, man, that's one of the worst. Especially as a rookie on that team. As a rookie on that team. The eye test. I tell you, I don't know what I'm looking at all the time. Like, I don't know the exact formations and this and that. But I can tell you the eye test. And the eye test tells you a lot. Yeah, it's exactly. All right, next call. What up, C3? This is Ryan from Tucson. What's up, I'm Ryan? I'm going to pick on Cody again. Okay. Uh, angry a little bit. Uh, I'll be a little more polite because last time I was reacting post-game, post-game type crap. But, you know, Cody said that Baldy had broke down uh, Derek Brown and talked about how he got blown up on a line of scrimmage, and that wasn't true. There's no video out there of Baldy breaking down anybody at the Panthers. Um, so unfortunately, Cody, you keep talking about keeping 100, but you're not keeping it 100 because you just got this bias filter. You really do, dude. You got a bias filter and you're not looking at the team properly. This whole tank for Trevor or win the Super Bowl craps a loser mentality. It really is. Um, as opposed yeah, to what? Said Teddy Bridgewater is only targeting Robbie Anderson, but DJ Moore has more targets than Robbie Anderson does in the last two out of three games. For the section of this last game where I think he had four targets and Robbie Anderson had six, I mean, the ball's being distributed pretty evenly. And I'm not one of the guys that thinks Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a franchise guy, but he's a pretty damn good quarterback. And it's it's good to lay a foundation for a team. This whole tank for Trevor crap is it's, it's stupid, dude. It's just stupid. It's you in yourself. If you're laying the foundation, he is, let's put it this way, Isaiah Simmons is Jeremy Chin. Like, 27 tackles, couple quarterback hits, tackle behind line scrimmage, and you do know that he sidelined two players from tackling them and hitting them so hard. Uh, he's the one that kicked the, the, the freaking rookie wide receiver from Oakland out of that game, and he also forced the Chargers to call a timeout because he knocked the wind out of uh, Justin Herbert. Guy's balling out right now. He's playing really well. Um, Derrick Brown's a solid player, dude. Four tackles for a loss, a couple of batted passes. 
Um, he's not going to be a freaking Eric Donald, maybe a Vita Vea. He's just going to be plodding up the run, and I haven't set you numbers. But you guys are just – No, he's been good, man. He's just had defense, some penalties. Man. By the way, CK, go on YouTube. Cam Newton was being a pussy in Super Bowl 50. He oh, defended himself God. in a tweet in an interview. Just do your research. No, Cam he was being not a being a pussy. Here, he's I'm happy more. that uh, Cam Newton's gone. I'm also happy that he's with Bill Belichick. And the reason I'm happy is because I watched the whole game against the Raiders, and I got to see, you know, Cam Newton was struggling. He was pressing passes. He was throwing in a double coverage. He wasn't playing This well. guy had no idea. He wasn't playing well to start. With Bell but nobody on the whole team was playing well. Something like that, and he won't just say, all right, Cam Newton, let's run you 15, 29 times a game, and we need you to make something happen. Belichick is in the scheme around that and protect Cam Newton, and he's going to get the best out of Cam Newton. And that's I appreciate it, man. Could, could you imagine Cam Newton being drafted by somebody like Andy Reid, what his career would look like? Because it, he understands how to build a team. And I really, I really blame Ron for, for what he put Cam Newton through, man. He put, that, he put that dude through hell in the NFL. And that's why I'm glad he's with Bill Belichick. But this whole tainting for Trevor nonsense is just stupid, dude. I mean, you guys do right, realize All right, that. so I'm going to go ahead and stop the call there. Thanks, man, Ryan, from Tucson, Arizona. He's close to Isaiah Simmons. I think we've actually unraveled some of the Isaiah Simmons versus Jeremy Chin discussion. And nobody's been higher on Jeremy Chin than Cody Lashley. Yeah. From the beginning. So is, let's go back and let's talk about well, that. Respond let's talk to about the quarterback. Yeah, let's talk about the quarterback thing. Tanking for Trevor is so stupid. But yet, by your own words, you say that you don't believe Teddy Bridgewater is a franchise quarterback. Okay, so then how are you laying the foundation like you claim we're doing if we don't have a franchise quarterback? More importantly, why in the shit would you not want one of the most pro-ready quarterbacks to ever come out of the NFL on this football team? Yeah, I'm a Clemson fan, but I'm also not a fucking moron either, dude. Nobody wants this team to be handicapped because we have someone under center that isn't hitting every level of the field, that isn't going to give your team a chance to win when the game is on the line. That's what we're saying, that if we had a chance to get one of those quarterbacks, be it Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance, that we would be dumb not to jump on that. And if we're going to say that this is a year where we're going to build on something, or we're going to go eight and eight, bro, you're just accepting the mediocrity that you're given because that was, that's what you've been taught to do as a Panther fan. Now you're doing the same thing where you're like uh, uh, bringing up the Super Bowl in, in, in an effort to shit on Cam Newton. Like He is the only reason that this football team has been relevant for the past decade, bro. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're, well, we're and being on And the defense has been was good for about five years. They were, like, top rate. The defense was uh, incredible, but Cam Newton put us on the biggest stage in football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, is that I do think that people were too hard uh, on Derrick Brown to start, right? But he's had some problems with him, penalty problems. Uh, he's fine, man. I'm, I'm, I've been completely happy with that. I'm happy with the brown chin draft picks. Super happy with that. Um, mm-hmm. I just think 
uh, is this is let's not say Teddy's a damn good quarterback. That's a little far too. Thank you. Yeah, and it's just and, a little and, far. And, and, and I and, think you guys are a little hard on Teddy because you probably need him to be better than he probably can be. And that's that, that's not far off. That's a fair that's a fair statement because I think that we need better from that position if we're ever going to be a football team that's worth the damn. So we couldn't get our quarterback this year. It was out of reach. You know, I mean, like maybe we could have done some things. It was Tua, or it was Trevor, or, or, um, what was his name? Justin Herbert. A little mm-hmm. out of our reach is that what we needed to probably give up. And it's, and I would, in, in fairness to Cody too, is what happens when your top prospect in like a decade coincides with your favorite team? It's yeah, kind of hard man. not to be. Yeah like so excited and gushing it's kind of like cam tony and dunn and cam and yes cam didn't have a fantastic game to start but last time i checked that team easily handled the raiders in the end and cam made some big plays in doing it was he dealing the dimes he was is this is that yeah and you know what and what did you say in the post game cody is that uh I think it was the post game wars last week. Is that you're happy that Camden's with? Like you're happy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because one, you have, to have a coaching staff that's going to uh, put them in positions to win football games no matter what. And let's also say this: Cam Newton is having to do something similar, not to the same degree, but he's having to do something similar uh, up there in New England that he had to do down here. They don't have a deep threat. They don't have uh, uh, receivers that create a great deal of separation. I mean, they just don't. So Cam Newton, uh, that's why his numbers against Seattle were so impressive because he was dropping dimes all over the football field. And then, yeah, he's going to miss some throws. Cam Newton's going to try and make a play happen and then throw a boneheaded interception. You know that Cam Newton is going to do that from time to time. But so what? The the benefit to having him – on your football team, I mean, listen, they're one goal line play away from being an undefeated football team right now. Mm-hmm. And their offense runs through Cam Newton. They ask him to do absolutely everything. They're running him the ball on first down, on third down, on goal line situations. They're asking him to drop back. Like, for people to now just shit on Cam Newton. Nobody's not- shitting on Yeah, and I think that and, – and we don't want to – is that we autom- – I automatically stop listening when anybody talks about Cam's toughness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just stop listening at that point because I'm not ready. Like, it's like that – is that even in the Super Bowl, I didn't even see – is that, okay, did you want him to try to dive on – okay, maybe, yeah. But, like, I also didn't want him to get fucking wrecked the whole game by Von Right. So right. is that I don't know. Cam put his body on the line for us. I just never felt like Cam gave a half. Gave half. Right. He always gave a hundred percent. And here's the thing too is is for people trying to make the arguments about Cam Newton versus uh Teddy Bridgewater, which I think is a dumb argument anyway, it's not fair. Um like Cam Teddy Bridgewater, if you look at his stats this year, has a hundred more passing yards than Cam Newton. Okay. Yeah. Same amount of passing touchdowns, same amount of interceptions, but Cam has four more uh, rushing touchdowns. Cam has 150 or 125 more rushing yards. I mean, and Cam has a two and one record that could one play away, one yard away 
for being a three and zero record, and Teddy is one and two. Yeah. And and the reason we won the game that he won was not because of him. It was because yeah. of another player, Joey Sly, kicked five field goals. So that's yeah. the difference. Now that's what yeah. I'm saying when I make when I'm going to talk about the, those two in this season. You know. Yeah, and all right. Um, look, we've been through enough of this. Is that uh, I think this is that I'm ready to. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm ready to give this coaching staff and all these rookies. I won't say a pass. It's not a pass. Um, but is that here? I'm not going to make any judgments other than positive ones at this moment because that's all I've seen. It's like, look, is that is Derek Brown? Uh, did he make you know week one? All right, it was the first game. Uh, did he make some plays and some that he didn't make? Sure. Uh, did he have some penalties in week two? Yep. Uh, but he played very well in week three, so I'm happy with that. The coaching staff I've been happy with. Uh, I've been pleased, pleased with. But reserve all judgments for all players and coaches for three years. That's basically what it will come down to. Um, all sure. right, let's get the hell out of here, though. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. Let's ice some fools up real quick. Um, ice up picks. Who's got one for me? Um, I had a video, but oh. it probably – no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to make you grab a video right now. Um, but what I, I will talk about it, though. Um, in Orange County, Florida, uh, a man was uh, – was uh on the the 417 and uh he posted a youtube video of his dash cam and he's driving his car and all of a sudden homeboy pulls out a pistol and starts shooting through his own windshield at another car oh my god and and remember this is the guy he has a passenger uh in the passenger seat with him who's like freaking the fuck out you can find video on this. Uh, Rex Chapman tweeted it out um, on, on Twitter. But uh, the driver claims that the reason that he started doing it was because uh, this guy, he was in, uh, in the Nissan, bumped his bumper, and then went around in front, drove in front of him, put his arm out the window, and the driver had a gun in his hand. So this dude driving the car thinks that Oh, the guy in the car ahead of me is about to, you know, he's about to have some next level road rage. Mm. So this guy literally pulls out his gun and starts shooting at the car, busting out his own windshield. <laughs> and you might be asking, okay, well, Cody, who are you icing up? I'm icing up Florida, bro. This is the most Florida story I've ever heard of. I mean, this is the, that's the state where shit like this happens, man, where, uh, dude, you can get pissed off one day and murder someone in a fit of road rage. Now, no one died, but dude, like, is it worth losing your life on the road just because someone pissed you off for, you know, some bumper to bumper crash on the on the interstate? It's like, man, mm-hmm. people's priorities are so messed up. Uh, so, to people getting into highway gunfights, ice up, son. Greg, you got one for us? Yeah, uh, mine's real simple. I'm icing up gatekeepers of any kind, any fashion. <laughs> there, there's there's absolutely no reason why you should feel like you have the determination to tell somebody of any fashion of what, how, what they like or how much they enjoy something. You can never get into their mind, and everybody has different opinions, and that's the beauty about life is in sharing opinions with people is 
getting different viewpoints and different perspectives, thinking about things you didn't think about because there is a different idea there about things. So for anybody who decides they're a gatekeeper and tries to tell people that, you know, you can't consider yourself this because you didn't go through this or blah, 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 or haven't read this. So you can't be a fan of this. I up because you have no right to tell people what they're a fan of and what they're not. So gatekeepers, I up. My up pick goes to Georgia state. Uh, football program and their testing, they had to cancel um, their game against Charlotte this past week because there was a COVID outbreak. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out it was, according to them, human error in the testing, and they misread the results. So they went back and did all the tests again the same day, retested the same ones, and nobody had COVID. <laughs> Now, I'm not well, saying that COVID that. doesn't exist and all of that, but what know. I'm saying is this, is that when you're testing that heavily and you can't even do the test right, oh, my goodness. We haven't, we haven't even talked about uh, the Titans, did we? we well, we, I did mention that, yeah, yes, yeah, because yeah. that, like, some people, uh, but I guess they supposedly have, well, not supposedly, there's, like, five people on the team. Finally, somebody in the NFL got COVID. The NFL was like the only COVIDless entity in the world. Um, Oh, oh, here's one too, Greg, for you, uh, as um, because you're an NBA fan. I'm icing up officiating in the NBA that make it intolerable to watch. I was watching the the Lakers game the other night, and they called fouls. They gave LeBron an AM one, and he was like at half court. And dunked it. Like, it didn't make sense. They call fouls in the NBA that don't exist. And it makes it, it not even yeah. fun to watch yep, to me. Right. Yep, right. so, yeah. Uh, I sub- um, anything else real quick? Let's get the hell out of here. No. Good. That's right. it, man. Uh, C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com every Tuesday night, 9 p.m., uh, 252-228-5098. Um, check out my new Amazon TV show debuting soon and <laughs> uh, <laughs> professor's picks on Wednesday um, scouting the enemy on Thursday or scouting this week scouting the Cardinals I got to find a guest because we had a good one already uh, Cody at Cody Lack C-O-D-Y-L-A-C and what's your podcast uh, yeah the Cripple Connection podcast where me and my man Jeffrey break down all the news in the video game industry um, check it out on my YouTube channel, Cody Lashney. Uh, yeah, Tony already gave you the the Twitter. That's right. me. Come holler at me. I know you want to. Tell me why I'm a bad fan and don't know shit about football. I enjoy it now. Greg, the man of many podcasts. How can they find your work? Oh man, just check me out at the Bet Daddy Fifty Two on Twitter. You can find just about everything I'm on. But if you want to get into some of my shows, check out the Geek Ultimate Alliance Network on uh, Podcast Network. Uh, that's the Twitter handle at GAU Pod Network, uh, and just about any podcast catcher you can find. I'm dropping shows like four days a week now, sometimes five, depending. I recorded every day last week, like two Sunday, one Monday, two Tuesday, one Wednesday, one Thursday, one Friday, one Saturday. It was. Mm. Well, thanks for giving us your time tonight, man. Appreciate it. Uh, All the people in chat room, we we love your support, and we'll see you uh, next um, after the game on Sunday. All right, peace out. Keep pounding. We will keep pounding. All right, fellas, we are off the air.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.